We should be good. We can record this. I mean, it's going to be a shitty recording. Like, it's not going to sound as nice as the one that, like, uh, Hate hate 9 made. But we have it for posterity in case you want to hear. I, unfortunately, so, like, I am really bad. Um, I did finish the reading. But I was not able to read it as closely or intensely as I would have liked. Although, to be fair, I did read it before. So it's not like I just was going in blind. It was a reread. Um, but I, I don't cool, know. Cool. Um, Milko, I mean, you said before, like, there was a lot of stuff we were talking about in our discussion that you said was surface level. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Like, do you have anything in mind that annoyed you about what we were saying in particular? Uh, nothing in particular, but I just wasn't satisfied with the critiques. Really. With the critiques of Khan? Uh, with your critiques of Khan. It would be very specific. Very specific. Our <laughs> to cr- critiques of Khan. Not just critiques of Khan. Ours in particular were just particularly bad. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I okay. Mean, like, um, I'm, now, okay, this is the part where Kant actually makes arguments in, like, a way that is supposed to follow from one thing to another. So here we go. The will itself is a law in all its actions. Only expresses the principle. Act only on a maxim that can have, that can also have itself as a universal law for its object. What the fuck? That second thing is not implied by the first. If it is, there are like five steps you're leaving out, Con. Uh, uh, could you repeat that? I couldn't hear you because yeah. freedom seems to be destroying best. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was getting out a pen. <laughs> I was getting out a pen. Man, your pens are loud. Well, it you was in my drawer and it was in the, there was a bag and blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Muzzle your pens. Well, now it, there won't be any more noise except for my voice, hopefully. Okay. <clears throat> All right. The will itself... Okay, we're actually... Um, I'm sorry. Okay, what the fuck? <laughs> I did that on purpose. I'm sorry. I just did it to be annoying. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I won't do that again. <laughs> okay. I, I thought it was accidental. Let's <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was not accidental at all. It was very okay, much on purpose. I'm here at the beginning of chapter three on the, um, this won't be the same plaything you're reading, Freedom, but like, uh, on the top of the right column, um, Kant says, um, fucking, what can freedom of the will be then but autonomy, i.e. the will's property of itself being a law? However, the proposition, the will itself is a law in all its actions, only expresses the principle, act only on a maxim that can also have itself as a universal law for its object. I'm sorry, but I don't understand how that follows at all, and I spent a lot of time trying to understand it, and we are half a page through. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the whole universality thing. I don't get why it's, like, supposedly super necessary, like, or, like, included in the idea that it's universal. Uh, I think what Kant means to say is that uh, uh, when he mentions that the property of autonomy is the will being its own law, and 
included in that proposition is also the implicit proposition that uh, how do I put this? That he's writing philosophy. He should say what he means. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard enough without that, or it's hard enough with that. I mean. You were saying? Uh, oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, I think what Kant means to say is that if we are to consider some particular maxim upon which we act good, then we must be content with it being a universal law since I know good plus good is good as well. I just don't know why that's, why that's necessary. I mean, I can think... I mean, my response, like, I can imagine only caring about things being good for me and not giving a damn if it applied to anybody else. Um, Because, I mean, ultimately, like, I am the only, like, I am the only existence I I actually experience. Like, my subjective individual experience is, like, the entire universe for me. So, like, it only needs to be universal in, in my, from my individual point of view. Like, I don't need it to apply to theoretical other people who I don't even really, you know... No, exist. Was that a really dumb thing to say? No. <laughs> or is it a really I'm smart not. thing to say? Well, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah. So, like, I mean, how would how would Kant respond to that? <laughs> uh, well, okay, yeah, that I actually kind of have an uh, yeah? Oh, uh, I, I think I do kind of have an answer for this, which is like, um, the question you're asking basically is equivalent to why should I follow, why should I abide by the categorical imperative in the first place? Yeah. And I, I do think mm-hmm. that that's a question which is answered, which distinctly and expressly isn't answered here, and which he tries to answer later. Wait, later. There's a part, if I can find the part, um, he's, there's a part where he talks about, there's a part where he talks about, um, why should you care, why should you care in the first place? Like, even if, yeah, why should I be moral? Here on, it's page 42 on mine. Okay. Um, bottom right. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and in this section, he goes over, okay, we've gone over all of this logic, but we haven't actually established a reason. Why should you actually do it? And so this is the part where he actually goes over that. It's pretty long. Okay. Um, can you explain what he says? I don't, I mean, I, I guess I, I still, like, I read it and I didn't feel the justification that. I don't know. Alright, I'm throwing it back to you, Malcolm. <laughs> Wait. Oh, freedom. Yeah. You never actually gave an announcement, I don't think. Um, about it being an hour earlier and the I people who left early. did. In reading when? schedule, I didn't at everyone today at 6 a.m. 
Yeah, but you should have done that a week ago. <laughs> yeah, well, but yeah, until, I know. Well, I thought I did in central earlier. planning. I think I also did it. If I you said, did how would, central planning when I'm just wrong. I said, how would y'all feel about uh, pushing the VC discussion oh. earlier one hour at 1 p.m. EST? So we can. Yeah, okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. We're good. We're good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I still think it's probably like it was more. It, it's very, we're all flexible, but I don't think I like the way it's been altering a lot. That's fair. Uh, it has been a bit of a mess. Yeah. Everything's been a... Sorry, okay. Okay. Um, is Malcolm there or is his mic, did his mic crap out? Uh, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, you have to answer our questions. We're all looking to you for the answers. Uh, well, the issue is, uh, I've been looking at, uh, I mentioned Henry E. Allison, didn't I? Yeah. In the chat? Mm hmm Yes, uh, I've been looking into his commentary on the ground, uh, mm -hmm. and it's rather long, three hundred and ninety <laughs> yeah. pages. Yes. They got through the press. I see. So you were, you were, but, okay. So you don't have an answer. You have no answer. You're the one who says read more and you still couldn't even read enough to provide any useful. Well, Malcolm, what do you think? You don't have well, to. Well, neither can we. Apparently well, we can't yeah. read enough to provide anything useful. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, we don't care about what Henry thinks. We care about what you think. Uh, well, I have a, a sort of derivation which actually glosses over a lot, but I think might be useful. Okay. That's it. Well, let's hear it. Uh, so in the, in the preface or whatever, I think it's a preface, right? Where he yeah. uh, establishes that the only thing Good without condition is the goodwill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the goodwill is a condition for anything to be good. Mm -hmm. He also establishes that. Mm -hmm. uh, the goodwill in Kant's understanding is the will which strives to act in accordance with the moral law, which acts out of a sense of moral duty. Uh, thus, mm -hmm. an action is only good if the action is done in accordance with a goodwill, mm -hmm. which is the case only if the action is thought to be an instantiation of moral law, which is the case only if the agent would be content with seeing a world in which this law became universal. Okay. So, does that make sense? Or am I just... Yeah, yeah. I mean... Your point, your point makes sense, but I still... I still, I still legitimately don't think that the question, why should I? Okay, this is this is a funny thing. Uh, I think I think probably just like at a at an intuitive guess level that the question, why should I be moral, is fundamentally impossible to logically overcome, in the same way that the question, what is the universal moral law is fundamentally impossible to logically overcome. Does that make sense? Like, I, f I feel like you have to make substantial assumptions to get 
to points where you can actually give answers to those questions, which well, is satisfactory. I mean, he does talk about that at the end. He says, like, what does he fucking say? It's, like, about how... So we truly don't comprehend the unconditional practical necessity of the moral imperative, but we do comprehend its incomprehensibility, which is all okay. that can be. Okay, that miffed me. That <laughs> miffed me so hard. This yeah. isn't philosophy. This is just fucking wooey wooing. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I like. I guess thinking of his moral philosophy as a prescriptive philosophy, as like you, he constructed it to rationally make sense, and it's not like it's self-evident. Like I don't think it's self-evident, but it is a useful way to construct your morality, to base it off of the idea of free will. Um, and like self-governing and that kind of thing. Like I think it is useful to do that. I like it. I just don't think it's like an a priori like deduce deducible truth of the world or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely do think. I definitely do think that um, the principle of universalizability is extremely useful, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think that. I think that maybe there's a little more nuance there, right? Like, I think that I think that there are a lot of situations where the principle of action is very nuanced, and, and maybe you would say, it's okay to do this thing in this situation, but if it was a little bit different, it wouldn't be okay, you know? Um, because, and, but I do think, I do think universalizability is a really useful way to look at things. I just don't think that, um, I don't think that you can use the principle of universalizability to derive all of the things that he seems to believe you can derive with it. I don't think he even goes over that much in this work, but, um, I've read the whole Wikipedia article on Kant, <laughs> and or sorry, yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. And uh, I could I can't remember if it was on Kant or if it was on um, some thing of Kant. It, it might have been the whole Wikipedia article on categorical imperative. The point is, um, I've read it all, and he goes on to talk about all these things he believes that the categorical imperative implies are duties and whatnot, and it's like. I, I never really understood where he got all of those. They all seemed to be highly conditional, and he was treating them as if they were universal. Uh, so, I I think I might be able to come up with a perhaps weak sort of defense for the reason why we should follow the categorical imperative. I mean, Kant actually touches on this in his section that we, that we were just referring to, Why Should We Be Modeled? He says that the categorical imperative is less of an ought and more of a shall. And by this, I think he means that uh, rational agents, totally rational agents or imperfectly rational agents, insofar as they are abstracted from their sensuous desires, that is, uh, imperfectly rational agents or rational, must follow this categorical imperative. Because... Uh, uh, well, I, I think I sort of explained it previously, right? Because uh, a rational agent, who's typing? 
It's hate. Welcome, hate. Oh, letter. sorry, that was me. I can uh, turn off my wife, but I'm t- not talking if that's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I previously outlined why I think uh, rational agents should follow the uh, rather do follow the categorical imperative necessarily when they are abstracted from their desires. Of course, humans aren't perfectly rational. And I also think that the categorical imperative doesn't really imply what Kant says it does. But, yeah, I think it's sort of trivial that the categorical imperative holds for perfectly rational things. And, uh, Uh, I do see what you're saying. Um, I do think that, um, I do think there is an, there is the assumption, right? Um, there is the assumption, um, within the statement that the categorical imperative would hold for perfectly rational beings that, wait, never mind. No, you're right, actually. Uh, it's not 100% trivial, but I was thinking about it. And if a perfectly rational being lives in a world of other perfectly rational beings, then it will only act by that, it will only act by that maxim, uh, which it can will to be a universal law. Because if it doesn't, then it knows that other perfectly rational beings will do the same. Yeah, but who cares what, like, why do we care what other rational beings do? Um, because in a world of perf- in a world of perfectly rational, well, fucking, this isn't exact. Oh wait, never mind. I started saying words. I started just saying words and realized that what I was about to say didn't actually answer your question. Hey guys. Hello. Hello. Hi. So what did I miss so far? Uh, a bit. Uh, nothing really. I don't know. Uh. Milcom is being a professor for office hours, answering our questions about Khan. Um, so, you have any office hour questions? Cryo. Any office hour questions? Oh, I could not know at this point. Um, but I, I do think. Uh, like, okay, let me, I actually need a second. So, okay. So if you, first of all, the whole idea of rational beings, wait, what the fuck? Hello? Oh, sorry. Never mind. Um, my microphone is being weird. Um, like what, uh, he talks about the kingdom of ends full of just a bunch of purely rational beings, which is what you were touching on, Somniad. But like, I don't get why uh, a purely rational being, I mean, they, what would they do? They wouldn't do anything. I, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like he's making up this distinction between, you know, our inclinations and our na- natural desires and, and, um. Well, okay. No, rational- I do think, I do think that per- perfectly rational beings would still have inclinations, I think. Um, because, no, he said they have motives. They wouldn't have inclinations. Using Kant's terminology. Wait. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, they're, they're the same fucking thing. Um, <laughs> well, I that's what I would say. And it's right, why well, I think this distinction yeah. is questionable. 
I think they would still have motives, and the reason they would still have motives is because motives aren't sourced from pure reason. Wait. Wait, that's exactly right. what I'm Wait, saying. No. Yeah, no, 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 never mind. Wait, no, 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 no. What, okay, what, what I'm saying is that you're still a perfectly rational being, even if the way you source your motives... Or you're not precluded from being a perfectly rational being, even if the way you source your motives is from um, is from something arbitrary. Does that make sense? My brain is not big enough to comprehend what you just said. <laughs> so, uh, wouldn't um, motives, that is to say, desires, be irrational as opposed to rational? Well, because that's what, but that's what um, Kant is saying, like, oh, like, you know, all the rational beings, if they just all lived together and they were perfectly rational, you know, uh, they would all act towards, um, you know, to, to following this, these, the categorical imperative. They would always behave in this way, but like, why are they motivated to do that? Wait. Oh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. So let's say, let's consider different possible, um, Okay, never mind. I'm, I'm not even going to well, go down that route. Does, right. this have something to do, does this have something to do with him saying that human beings are ends in themselves? Oh, that's a good thing to talk about, actually. Why is that the case? Why Why should? Why are, he, why are rational beings ends in themselves? That is very cringe. What? I think it's a it's a real question. Why, why? I have no. I don't coincide by that. How does he even derive that from the traditional FUL formulation of the sea? Wait, what? Very strange. I have no clue how he does. Wait, so you have no clue how Kant? Why Kant says this? Actually, no. As I told you, I've only really taken a deep dive into the preface. So. Yeah, but have you read the main text? Uh, yeah, at some point, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God! I don't think I'd be able to... Yeah? Welcome. I am so hurt. Um, mm. You're... <laughs> Break my balls here. Huh? Yeah, I said you're breaking my balls here. I don't know. It was just, just an expression. It's a very dumb one. Um, okay, okay. So this is this is a thing. This is a thing. Um, okay, I, I found a section here. Such beings are not merely subjective ends whose existence as a result of our action has value for us. Oh, wait. Actually, I should tell you guys where this is. Page 29, top left. Um, yeah, it's like the first sentence. The first sentence on the page is really long. It's the first sentence that starts on this Wait, page. which page, sorry? 29, top left. Okay. Such beings. Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, what? That might not be the exact wording you have, though. Wait, no, I'm looking at the one that I, the, the same oh, okay, PDF. Okay. I don't see such beings okay. anywhere. Page 29? Oh, are you on page... Uh, I'm on page 29 as it shows on the page itself. Y yes. Oh, well, I see okay, it. Yeah. It's, 
Is it in section two? Yeah. Yeah. And it starts with to return to our previous examples. Someone thinking of computers. That's what I see at the top. What? To well, for us, that's the second uh, half. No, top left. Oh, I'm dumb. Such <laughs> beings, I see it, I see it, I see it, I'm sorry. Okay. Such beings are not merely subjective ends, whose existence as a result of our action has value for us, but are objective ends, i.e. things whose existence is an end in itself. It is indeed an irreplaceable end. You can't substitute for it something else to which it would be merely a means. Oh. If there were no such ends in themselves, nothing of absolute value could be found, and if all value were conditional and thus contingent, no supreme practical principle for reason could be found anywhere. Um, this isn't really reasoning. He's just listing the things that would be false if the thing that he wants to be true was, yeah. was false and saying it has to be true. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitional. No, it's not. No, he's saying, if there were no such ends in themselves, nothing of absolute value no, could no. be found. He's saying uh, objective ends, and then he's defining objective ends. Things whose existence in an, is an end in itself. It's like definitional, and then he is explaining what would happen if those weren't the objective ends. So wait, why are people... Objective ends. Objective ends? Why are people objective ends? <laughs> Why do I care about them any more than um, any other thing in the world? Okay, so I think I think that um, I think that he's contrasting objective ends to subjective ends. Um, specifically, he's say, he, he's saying they must be objective ends because they're not subjective ends. And oh, okay, okay. So. No. Saying what? that it is an irreplaceable end and then he's listing why, not because there aren't objective ends, but because he's saying, if you, if you need to, have, like, if you start from the premise that you need to have an objective end, and then he's saying, okay, so let's say that instead of having rational beings as an objective end, we have something else. And then he explains why you couldn't do that replacement. He's not explaining why you need to have objective ends in the first place. Then he's explaining that on if there were no such ends in themselves, but like the previous sentence is because is about why they're irreplaceable. Like the two sentences that come after it are about different things. One is about why they're irreplaceable. One is about what would happen if you had no subjective ends there. Uh, objective ends. Sorry, I see that. So what does he mean by objective ends, then, specifically? Things whose existence in, is an end in itself. So that's... It's a, okay, that's not clarifying. No, it's just his definition. Except it's not a death. phrase that feels meaningful, so it's not a definition. What, well, it just, what does IE mean? I.e., it means, what does it mean? It means in essence. Oh, okay. But what is it in? In, in other words, yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually some Latin abbreviation. It is, it is. You can always is. replace it with in essence. Yeah, uh, wait. 
I want to see what the actual Latin words stand. It stands for id est. That's what it stands for. Oh, that actually probably is the translation. Nice. Yeah. Well, that is, is what it means. Like id is like, it is like yeah. that. And then est is, is, is. That reminds me of how the German word for food is Essen. It makes me think that food is just the essence. I like how the German word for you is dick. So then if you say I love you, it's ich liebe dick, and it sounds like I love dick. It's great, yeah. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But because in German, like, uh, the k, the end is the dissonance for uh, possession in pronouns. That's why. Because mine is me. For example, and his uh, is zi. Yeah, it's just so they are in an ich to an English person because like ich liebe, it's like obviously sounds like I love, and then dich, it does not sound in any way at all like you. It just sounds like dick. That's why it's funny. You wouldn't get it. You didn't get my like super complex humor. Um. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so, so he does say up here at uh, the page before. Um, that we have a distinction between subjective ends resting on action drivers and objective ends depending on motives that are valid for every rational being. So this is sort of similar to the way I would define subjectivity and objectivity when we were talking about like truth or whatever, or like experience, like, like, so then, um, Objective, it's 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 about something that's valid for all observers or all rational beings. That's why it's objective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just then, I just don't understand why that even needs to exist at all in the first place. Unless, like he's saying, like it's an inescapable part of rationality that there are certain th- these ends of. The, but I just don't agree that. I mean, first of all, I don't think that there's like this a strong distinction between rationality and I don't know irrational. I don't know. I mean, like he's talking about logic and reason. Oh my gosh, everybody's leaving. Um, like it's this special thing, and and it is special because I mean I'm sort of torn on this, but like I forget where it was that I saw this, but like. So, for instance, like once you learn a language, when you hear someone mm-hmm. say some words, you cannot help but hear meaning in those sounds. Like you can't just like mm-hmm. have the words come out and just hear them only as gibberish. Like it's like unavoidable. Like once you know that language, the words you hear, um, they're gonna be they're gonna be those noises you hear are gonna be meaningful in some way, and you'll just not be able to avoid having the meaning of those words come into your brain. And so, like, the analogy is that logic or reason is much like that. Like, once you have an argument placed in front of you, and it, it, if, it, if, it, if it functions correctly or if it's, like, a solid argument or a valid argument or whatever, you, you, you can't just, like, unsee that or think that argument is wrong. It's, like, unavoidable. It's like gravity. It's like when you, when you, when you see something and it seems right, um... And yeah, but that's a defense of objectivity, not of objective ends. Yeah, no, 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 it is, it is. But it's just he's making the argument that these objective ends are like that. Like when, if you're a rational being, you just can't help but see them as valuable. And I just don't find, I don't think, 
I agree. I mean, I think he comes up with a really solid system. Like it can make sense. Like I like, I obviously do like it. Um, because I think I like the idea of self-governing is the exercise of self-governance as the moral morality or whatever. Um, but, um, I just, I just disagree with where he takes it and how he, he seems to frame it like this is obviously what the objective ends are and like objective morality is like, I don't know. Um. Uh, I think we should, uh, we should do one or two more sessions at this reading club because uh, I was look, as I told you, I spent a very long time looking at the preface. And I think we missed a lot of stuff. Like, uh, for example, we kind of just glossed over that uh, analytic progression and synthetic progression that Kant mentioned yeah. in the press. Like, uh, in GMS 1 and 2, Kant purports to go analytically from common model cognition to go to its uh, requisite conditions, as he does in... Mm-hmm. Uh, Works such as the first critique, and then he purports in the third part of GMS to go in a synthetic fashion to show that these requisite conditions were actually true. So I think we missed a lot, and there's actually a lot more here. So yeah. maybe we should look at that again. It's just maybe yeah. We should also- it's just so hard to go through. Yeah. It's just like really difficult, and I think it would be different if we had like. Yeah, I don't know. It's just hard, I think, to do. I think if I'm being honest, uh, I probably didn't read this as closely as I ought to have. Uh, so there's probably a lot of stuff that if I did read closer, where we spent more time on it, that it would sink in more. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of time to like read it properly. <laughs> like, so much time. Yeah. I, you should really read that book by yeah, I should just read those 390 pages um, to understand these 50 pages. That would be the quickest way to understand it. I mean, I don't disagree. I know you're you're not wrong. It's, it's just like, uh, um, it's just hard to go maybe through. We could, maybe we could make that the next the next text just for. I mean, we don't want to be just gaining a cursory understanding of these things. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, if we're going to be serious about philosophy, we kind of need it. Yeah. It wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I guess I just get worried about, I mean, our, I mean, even Somniad's gone. Oh, no. About, uh. I feel like he might have just disconnected. He probably would have said, I have to leave. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, he's online now. It's probably something weird happened. Um. Uh, he needs to help with something, so he'll. Oh, okay. So he wrote a voice chat. Okay, I see. I see. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not. I just. I feel like I am not. Almost like. I am not able to put in the time to really like coherently uh like lead a discussion on this kind of thing. Like I think that's that's a main issue for me because 
Um, you know, I'm going in up blind because, like I said, I have read this, but it's like, I mean, I, yeah, I read it, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think he should be expected to leave. Yeah, it. yeah. It's kind of um, hap- it's kind of happened that way, which is a bit unfair. Um, it's just hard so. because I think with things like this, you do need someone to take the lead. Um, if we're going to like really get in depth about it. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure what, um, uh, what to do. I mean, like Milcom, did you have thoughts on the preface? I mean, we can just go back to the preface of things that you, you think you have a pretty strong understanding of, like you talk about the, I just don't get what, the, why we care about the analytic or synthetic thing, really. I mean, that's just, okay. Yeah. The, the different methods for him building up his argument, like he approaching it from different directions, um, but then uh, I think the importance of it can really be comprehended when we look at it from the point of view of the first critique. He uses this same technique in the first critique. Yeah, I know it's in important. Critique, yeah, in the first critique, he moves from common understanding of space and time, and from there he goes to the necessary preconditions, such as the synthesis of the conscious. So mm-hmm. that's what he thinks is the importance of this analytic. Yeah. I mean, but, but it's good to understand like how he's like building his argument, but I think that doesn't change like our understanding of the nature of the argument itself, like what he's arguing for. Um, it's just like, I mean, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying. Um, Uh, I think if we just go along with this without understanding the importance of the analytics. Like how Swami had was saying, we might come to the conclusion that everything except, for example, GMS3 is irrelevant because mm-hmm. only GMS3 actually gives you a, at least purports to be an argument, a proper argument. For well, I, I don't think any of it is irrelevant. I don't think, I don't, I don't feel that way. Like, I don't feel like only the third section is important. I feel like all of it is, it's just showing, it's just going at it from different directions. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess I just, uh, go ahead. Uh, so should we look at the preface again? Yeah, let's do that. Let's sure. do that. Okay. So, uh, was there anything in the preface about rational beings? I D K. Um. Let me see. I mean, he talks about something about pure will, right, or some shit. I don't know if he mentions rational beings, but um. I just did a nice control F. Actually, it's command F because I'm on a Mac, but. The first part where he talks about rational beings is on page. Page two, the top right. Um, He says everyone must. It doesn't go into depth. Yeah, okay, but he says. 
Everyone must admit that if a law is to hold morally, it must imply absolute necessity. That the command, you are not to lie, doesn't apply only to human beings as though it had no force for other rational beings. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so Kant's the Kant sees that as an analytic proposition in that he understands the moral law or an imperative in absolute necessity. He identifies it with absolute necessity. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. As it says later on that. Uh, hello. 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 Because oh, I, I, I was agreeing because it does say later on that. Uh, uh, th this context that uh, gives them as rational beings a priori laws ones that are valid, whatever the empirical circumstances may be, and then... Yeah, so that's sort of a, an important point in his moral philosophy, because if moral law applies to all rational beings, then the origin of this moral law is to be found in the concept of rationality, or in the concept of an abstract rational being. Which is this is the ground for a GMS two, I think. Yeah. GMS two. Hmm. Uh, so, Kant sees two different understandings of origin. He sees seat and origin proper. So, Wait, origin what? Uh, a seat and origin proper. S e a t and origin. Seat proper. and origin proper. He doesn't mention it. He doesn't mention it. Oh, okay. He, he talks about it in his lectures. So. Ah, okay. <coughs> um, welcome, uh, happy so cats. He, uh, hey, sorry, I was welcoming happy cats. Go ahead. Go on, welcome. Uh, uh, so, uh, the difference between seat and origin is best exemplified by uh, one of the moral philosophies that Kant was opposing at the time, which, which was sort of Ciceronian in that it believed that moral law had its origin, that is its grounding in God or some other supernatural mm -hmm. being. Yeah. But, it, but its proponent believed that it could still be discovered a priori, even though it's had its origin in something that was not reason. Mm -hmm. mm. yeah. So Kant holds that since uh, the moral law must be common to all rational beings, its origin, its grounding too, must be in rationality. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess I just see it as him, like he's like, building this like he's not saying this is how it like is because that's how it is it's like okay if we want these concepts to mean anything this is how we must define them to make them meaningful do you see the distinction i'm making and does it do you yeah uh, that's just how it seems yeah, to me hmm? oh that's actually how it is yeah exactly oh 
Okay. Okay, so... Uh, hmm, a lot of this is just about how... about his distinction between the many types of philosophy. Let's just skip that. <laughs> uh, okay, so... He says... I, I don't even know how to read these annotations. It just says GMS 43899 to 20. I'm not sure. But it, Kant says that there must be such a philosophy is already evident from the common idea of duty and moral laws. So, can you find that? Wait, can you say it, where it I was again? Uh, that there must be such a philosophy no, 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 is number, already evident. The number? Uh, uh, no, it, it doesn't help at all. This is it's, GMS uh, page, it's page two. Three eighty nine. Okay, um, cool. Because I have I I have those numbers that you have, like the three eighty nine or whatever. But page two. Uh, bottom page two. Okay. From left. I see. Uh, well, so what is unique about Kant's metaphysics is the seemingly paradoxical combination of the grounding of the supreme principle of morality in the abstract concept of a rational being as such, while justifying this procedure by appealing to a supposedly shared pre-philosophical understanding of morality. So it sort of affirms our suspicions, I think, from the last trading club, that he appeals a lot to what he thinks is common sense. Mm -hmm. Which is to say that he just appeals to what he already believes and what other people already believes, and just sort of assumes yeah. that everyone will agree. Yes, which and this is is yeah. dumb. I'm just gonna say, but this is the analytic progression I was talking about. So he goes from common model cognition to its conditions, to its requisite conditions, which is to say the categorical imperative. But over here, he seems to be undertaking a substantively different project than he was in the first critique, because he seems to be doing more conceptual analysis, more Socratic conceptual analysis, in which he seems to be making explicit what is already implicit in the common understanding. Uh, is that... Mm. that makes sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So is this a mistake on his part or like just a tactic? Uh, it, it's really not clear even in contemporary literature, so I'd say just disregard it. <laughs> uh, so I sent an image in the voice text. Oh my. <sighs> Here we go. Why is there a little square there? 
Uh, that little square means necessarily. That means it is true in every possible world. Okay. What does the upside down A thing mean again? Is that for all? Oh. For all. For all. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remembered that. Oh, yeah. I, I was saying, it doesn't matter which. No, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I thought the little square might have been because it's like, it reminds me of when, you know, your word processor, like, doesn't know what a font or like an image is, so it just leaves a blank square. I thought maybe it was that, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, can you explain what this is? Uh, so Kant basically, or at least Alison holds that what Kant was trying to uh, show by talking about was things that held with absolute necessity. And this is what, this is how he explicitly defines absolute necessity. It, it, it is there in that very same paragraph, right? Every, everyone must admit that a law, if it is valid morally, must carry with it an absolute necessity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But then what is this? I'm sorry, I'm dumb. What, what can you explain very clearly what this equation, whatever the fuck you, I don't know what you call it. This is saying like, uh, so, hmm. so what Kant is trying to say, at least what Alison holds that Kant is trying to say is, is a specific interpretation of what Kant meant by absolute necessity. When Alison wrote this, there were two predominant views. One which he termed the prescriptive view, which held that in every possible world where the model principle held, that it uh, applied with absolute necessity. And his view uh, that the model principle held necessarily, that is to say in every possible world, to every possible rational being, rational agent rather, and uh, th that's just the explicit notation for the absolute necessity, or at least Alison's interpretation of absolute necessity. I'm just so Hello? confused by this. Like, for all x such that, I mean, I, I, like, 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 can you like, 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 what is this? Like, how would you say this? 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 I don't know what to call it. It looks like an equation. I don't know what to act, what the neuro term actually is for it. Like, what what are the words that correspond, like literally correspond to what what it's saying? Like, it just looks like stuff to me. Uh, so, what it's trying to say is that for every moral principle X, mm -hmm. not particular moral duties, it means like. Okay. Actual model principles, maxims, yeah. in other words. Yeah. If X is to be considered a model principle at all, mm -hmm. then it must, X hypothesize, uh, necessarily hold that for every rational being, uh, X is unconditionally binding on that rational. That makes sense? Oh. Okay. Okay. 
That yeah. that helped a lot. Yes, that is what I yeah. needed. Okay, that helped a lot. I still don't think Thank I you. could. I still don't think I could say it again. Honestly, if you said it one more time, uh, <laughs> just that exact same thing uh, might help me. If you don't mind, I'm sorry if that's annoying to everybody else. Oh no, no worry. Uh, no. Yeah. So, uh, what uh, what this statement means is that for every moral principle X. it is necessarily the case that all rational agents y are unconditionally bound by it okay okay yeah okay thank you thank you so much yeah that helped a lot that helped so much <laughs> okay cool um so this is so this is he's creating a definition sort of or defining it or prescribing this definition of morality as it being necessary or absolutely necessary unconditionally binding or whatever um on yeah, all rational agents. Yeah, so what what Allison says is that the other view the prescriptive one mm-hmm. where absolute necessity is understood as being uh exceptionally binding mm-hmm. on all the possible worlds where it applies mm-hmm. on that view he says that uh, alison says that it's not very intuitive because intuitively we would like for moral laws of exceptions right we would mm-hmm. take moral laws of exceptions mm-hmm. but w- what this modalized view as he calls it what this modalized view shows is that it isn't actually exceptionally all principles aren't actually exceptionally true they are just necessarily true mm. so there's a distinction there between exception exceptionless and necessary uh, yeah because because it, okay yeah it continues no i mean it just that cuz like exceptionless means there just don't happen to be any exceptions but necessary means it's just contrary to the idea to have any exceptions like it wouldn't be it if it had an exception kind of right so uh, alison actually explains this in the next part where he writes as i noted however i believe that absolute necessity refers not to specific duties but to the underlying principle that upon which these duties arise. Mhm. Okay. So, that makes yeah. sense. So this moral principle wouldn't be an injunction like do not lie, it would be something far more general like that as 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 we are trying to reach the categorical principle. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> This makes me feel like we should read that that commentary that you said makes me feel like it would be a good thing for us to read if we really want to get get this mm. um yeah and uh, and if you ever going to tackle anything like the phenomenology of spirit we'll have to resort to commentaries right we can't have anyone feeding mm. the actual book yeah I mean, so I don't like that. Like I I mean, but I, I think uh I don't think I have it in me to just dive in to that and 
it's hard. It's really hard. I just, I guess I have this idea, like, I want to have my own impression of it first before going back and, like, reading through it again with someone else's analysis, if that makes sense. Um, but that may more be more feasible... I don't know. It's just, it's just, I feel like these discussions are not productive whenever, like, most people or everybody, or at least me, are just sort of like confused <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> like, without somebody, like, if we don't have some, a clear authority who really knows what's going on, we, I think, we, I think we do need, um, some resources to help understand and, I don't know, give some direction or clarity. <sighs> yeah. I think we're just trying to bite off more than we can chew here because last time <laughs> what we were trying to do was we tried to read all the way to GMS 2. <laughs> and that, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. We just, I mean, sometimes just have to go for it and, you know, maybe what you learn is that that method doesn't work. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. The um, real groundwork was essentially made longer. Huh? Uh, nothing. <laughs> so, let's continue with our preface. Okay. So, the main... The primary task of the GMS is the search for and establishment of the supreme principle of morality. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alison holds that this provides support to the claim that absolute necessity refers to the mortalized sense, that is Alison's sense, the one that I sent you. Mm -hmm. uh, the assumption that this principle must have absolute necessity in the mortalized sense is the first and essential step in this search. We say that again? Sorry. Uh, so this, in order to find this supreme principle of morality, which Kant purports to find, we must, we must have the assumption that this principle, whatever it turns out to be, must have absolute necessity in the mm -hmm. modalized sense. In the, did you say in the modalized, like M O D A L I Z E D, like modality? Yeah, that's the one. What the what the fuck does modality mean? I'm I've seen that tossed around, and I just it just sounds like I just don't even know what it means. Uh, modalized uh, usually it refers to uh, that's the logic which encompasses that square I sent you, right? It's the logic of necessity and possibility. Logic of possible worlds. Okay. I still think the word or the concept isn't coherent in my brain, but like I think I just have to think about it more. Um, what you said makes sense. Um, that it has to do with possibility yeah, and necessity. You need to think more. I do. I honestly, yeah, um, yeah, no comment. <laughs> I do. Um, oh, by the way, are you recording? I'm just curious. 
Uh, no, no, I am not. I missed like the first half of the conversation. Sorry, first half hour of the conversation because I. So you didn't start recording later? No, I figured it would be kind of pointless. Like, yeah, I was missing a lot of context. Also, I've been gone. Like, I had to do shit for the second half hour. I see. So I was just sort of listening on my phone, which I can't record on. Ah, uh, okay, okay, I see. So I could start recording now, and I've only, I'd only lost like 15 minutes where I could have been recording, but eh. I mean, it's up to you. I am recording. It's just shitty audio quality. <laughs> I don't mind shitty audio quality. My audio quality on the last one was kind of shitty for some of it. Okay. I didn't even listen, honestly. I mean, I was there the whole time. Oh, by the way, um, was it, uh, who was it who recorded the first one who wasn't? Reman. Yeah, I really, I really need to release just an audio. I know, I, I, I want to listen to it, and I can't because the fucking video file doesn't work. I know, I know. I just feel yeah. like I just haven't really bugged him about it. I feel like if he gives a shit, like he'll do something. But maybe we just need to bug him about it. Yeah, I'm actually gonna message him because I want to listen to that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was a good discussion. Honestly, that was fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. And you missed, and you missed, you missed the best part. Uh, yeah. So, that's okay then. Send him a message. Oh, now everybody's gonna be. I'm just gonna do it. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, he seems like he does kind of care, but I think everybody also just, everybody also has shit going on in their lives. Um, so I understand. Um. All right, Professor Milcom, are you going to continue taking us through the preface? Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is so sad. Nobody is asking questions. It's hard because I don't even think like I I it's like asking questions means that you have like I feel like sometimes like when I read this, it's like. I have to like really understand before I have a question. And then some of the things you just say, I'm like, okay, yeah. And I don't have a question. It just like sort of sits on well, my brain. And, and Kant is well known for being very difficult to read. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't, I don't think I have, maybe I'm just too stupid to even have a question. You know, I mean like the questions I have are maybe things that, like, we aren't getting to yet because we have to start at the preface because, you know, we don't understand enough, so probably all the questions that I already have are just stupid because I don't understand things. So, like, <laughs> um, it's all, like, but bigger things. stupid questions is, a, is no, also a good way to no, get it to, is, to but, non questions. But with respect to the things that have already been said uh, and this, uh, set forth in this preface, I don't have a disagreement with. I mean, the things that I'm like more able to talk about aren't necessarily about like understanding what Kant or picking apart what Kant is saying, like just to understand his point. But like when I understand his point, like my opinion about whether or not that's valid or useful, that's more of like where I'm able to think about and like come up with questions or come up with comments, um, which is why it's easier, for instance, like, I had a lot of thoughts on him talking about free will, you know, like at the end um, or the third section and like how he's basically a compatibilist. And I forgot about that. Um, and I like that a lot. I remember like I remembered liking that. I, mean, I like a lot of things about 
Like, and, and, and you approach Kant's moral philosophy from a prescriptive one where, like, he is defining it as something that is necessary, as defining it as something that results from free will and freedom and saying that it doesn't matter, like, like, like free will is a concept that exists outside of natural laws where free will is something that it just comes from our experience of our, our of us treating ourselves as free beings. Um, and that's why like, like we, the way we conceptualize ourselves is as free. And that's why we are free. Um, regardless of whether or not there may be some interaction with natural law. Uh, I like those ideas and I have more thoughts on them also because I just read them. Whereas the other stuff I did not just read. I read it a while ago. Um, I don't know. Wow. I'm I'm mostly avoiding talking because my fucking fan is loud. But um, it's fine. Like uh, it's yeah. totally fine. We can understand you. It's yeah. not unclear. Your voice is very That's clear. Fair. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you noting my clear voice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that seems valid. <laughs> shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Great. We need Somniad yeah, back. Somniad always need, has something yeah. to say, honestly. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, Milko. I'm sorry we aren't the philosophy students you wanted, but we're the ones you have. So we aren't the philosophy students you wanted, but we're the philosophy students you deserve. Ooh, <laughs> that's harsh. That is a little harsh. Oof. I mean that. I mean that's harsh to us. Yeah, it's harsh to everybody. Oh, that's, that's true to us. Harsh to him. <laughs> Sorry, Malcolm. I mean, did you have any thoughts about my free will spiel, or is it like I haven't read it recently and? It, the, the preface first, blah, blah, so I don't have, cause like, I, I, I get like, to really dig into this, we need to be more systematic about it, and I get like, reading the commentary, and it's important, but I also do like, you know, maybe the clumsy, just sort of, oh yeah, like, I had thoughts about this, even if maybe, if I had read a little more closely, I'd be like, oh wait, actually, I have to backtrack, my way of thinking about it was wrong, but I, I'm fine with that, um, Anybody uh, yeah, about free will. So, it, I think I mentioned this before. He talks about free will in the antimonies to his first critique. And <laughs> he's not really clear about his position there. So, I, I don't know what Kant would respond to your proposition about free will. I mean, I didn't even really make yes, a proposition. I just sort of like summarized why I kind of like the way he thinks about it. Because, um, I mean, he seems... Like, so very strange, so... What? Uh, I like, Kant's opinion on free will and freedom in general, freedom as well as determinism, are very strange, so I really don't know what to make of it. Well, it seems like it's kind of compatibilist, isn't it? Uh, most, most contemporary philosophers would say that he's actually an incompatibilist. Oh, really? Yeah, at least in my experience. Wait, why do they say that? Mm, I think you should read a paper on that. 
Oh my god. But okay, I can do that. I can read I can read more. But not right now. Right now we can't do that. Right now all we have is a conversation. So it's okay, Milcom, if you say something and it's actually not okay it's not right. It's okay if you say that, but I just want to hear your spitball spitball. Just uh, you know. Throw your ideas out. Throw your impressions out. Throw your unjustified intuition about things out. I, I, That's what I, I do I, all I, the time. I, I mean, yeah, this is this is coming from the person whose moral philosophy is it is intuition. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, no shade. I mean, uh, I, I use that term, but I think you shouldn't take it to. No, I mean, I, I mean, realistically, I think some form of materialism and uh, and intuitionism are basically the only good moral philosophies. So hard to take there, but wait, like, materialism as a moral philosophy? What? Sorry, material. No, my thing. Sorry, I meant um, fucking. I'm bad at terms. Wow. Um. Oh yeah, can somebody else remember the term I mean? It's really obvious, I'm just bad. Metaphysics? That that's not a moral philosophy. Um <laughs> either. Uh. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of M words. Motivationism? Uh. <laughs> Utilitarianism. Oh. I think that. Yeah, sorry. Utilitarianism what? or or something similar and uh and and your variant of intuitionism are basically the only good moral philosophies. So I mean, what are the alternatives? Bad. No, but no 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm asking what they are, um, what they would be if they even exist. Um Kant for starters. Ah, uh, no, but I think he he is so I got my inspiration for my, you know, intuitive whatever from Kant. It's just yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's based yeah, but you in don't reason. Think it's absolute. Um, I don't think it's an inherent yeah, quality of reason, whereas he seems to think this. Uh, I mean, because I think reason in and of itself is just. It's just, I, 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 uh, the language of the mind. I don't know. I don't fucking know. That sounded. Way too pretentious. Yeah. So I guess it was. Yeah, what are they? Is that actually? Um, no, wait, wait, wait. Reason. What is is reason? The language. What does that even mean? What would that even mean? I don't know. That sounds like bullshit. Um. But like, why would okay, but Milka, But why would people say Kant is an incompatibilist? Because when he's talking about free will at the third section. I mean, he says, like, we can't, like, he, ba oh, God, where is it? Yeah. He is, like, saying he doesn't think, he's, yeah. he just thinks it's, like, he says, he literally says, oh, my God, let me find uh, it. Um, But, to, sorry, because I've looked it up because I couldn't remember. The the other options are virtue ethics oh. uh, and deontology. And hedonism, which is basically, hedonism and consequentialism sort of fuse in utilitarianism, so, eh. Oh, wow. Um, Thank you for linking a paper, Milcom, but I wanted your thoughts. Cassie, <laughs> this is your problem. This is your problem, Milcom. And, like, I understand, like, it's... you. I'm not asking for someone else's opinion. 
I'm asking for your opinion. But Milcom doesn't have opinions. Oh, that's what it sounds like. And that's, you know, I mean, it's great to have read a lot and understand a lot and to have a wider, broader perspective on things. But if you just get lost in the sea of what other people have said, um, I don't know. Even if, even if you're unsure, even if you're not sure what you say is right, just, it's still worth saying, I, you know, maybe like, I kind of, for some reason, which I can't justify, believe this. It's okay to say that. It's just my opinion. Ugh. But anyways, I think, okay, so let me find that passage about why. Oh, try page 47, bottom left. Okay. Okay, yeah, all human beings think of themselves as having free will. Okay, wait, 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 that's not... There's something, there's like, because I'm trying to find it, because I have it underlined in my... Because, like, he uses the terms, the term free will extremely rarely. The only other time is uh, page 41, right? Okay. Hold on a minute, because I have some stuff, like, underlined in my book that... Um... Okay, okay. Uh, shit. I have no idea where this would be. Um, let me see if I can figure it out. Um, it wouldn't be very far in. Um, so difficult okay i i don't fucking know i'm just gonna read it i'm sorry i can't find it in the other in the other text i can't find it i'm sorry it's it's like for me it's like um it's like five or six pages in um i i i, I don't know where that lies in this um, but, but here's the, here's what it says. As a rational being, and thus as a being belonging to the intelligible world, the human being can never think of the causality of his own will otherwise than under the idea of freedom, for independence from the determining causes of the world of sense, which reason must always ascribe to itself, is freedom. Um, and then, oh, later on, what does he say? And like, like, like talking about, like when he's talking about, this is later on, um, he's talking about, you know, like our said, like our sensors, like our inclinations, like our sensual inclinations are, are something like when we feel tempted, you know, we're hungry or whatever, stuff like that. Um, okay. So, all right, I'll just read it. Um, 
So it is that the human being claims for himself a will, which lets nothing to be put to his account that belongs merely to his desires and inclinations, and on the contrary thinks as possible, by means of it, indeed as necessary, actions that can be done only by disregarding all desires and sensible incitements. The causality of such actions lies in him as intelligence and in the laws of effects and actions in accordance with the principles of an intelligible world, of which he knows nothing more than that in reason that in it reason alone, and indeed pure reason independent of sensibility, gives the law, and in addition, that since it is there as intelligence only, that he is his proper self. As a human being, he is only the appearance of himself. Those laws apply to him immediately and categorically, so that what inclinations and impulses, hence the whole nature of the world sense, incite him to... Sorry, this is like... I don't know if you're understanding well, what I'm reading right now. I awful contest to read. Yeah. Okay, but here's what here's the, here's the actual part that I, I underline, because I was trying to give an introduction, and I just, like, can't. Like, it just... I know if I was listening to what you read... Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, it's... it's okay, so, 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 anyways... Indeed, like a person, a rational actor, uh, he does not hold himself accountable for the former, which is like desires, or ascribe them to his proper self, that is, to his will, though he does ascribe it to the indulgence he would show them if he allowed them to influence his maxims to the detriment of the rational laws of his will. So basically, like, when we are tempted to do something like a fucking junkie is tempted to, like, go use, like, they don't see that temptation as part of their will. They see it as separate from their will. This is It's a core part of how we interpret ourselves, right. that there is a distinction between our carnal desires, let's say, um, uh, and uh, now I found the issue. It's that like that version of this paragraph from our translation is quite different. It's um, did he doesn't hold himself responsible for those preferences and impulses or attribute them to his genuine self, though when he allows them to influence his maxims in ways that go against the rational laws of his will, he Wait, holds where is this? his will to account for that. Uh, it is on the left of the middle of page 49. Okay. Sorry, can you start again from where you started reading? Uh, so, uh, right after the paragraph that uh, is like, uh, like is minimized, indeed, he doesn't hold himself responsible for those preferences and impulses, or attribute them to his genuine self, i.e., to his will, though when he allows them to influence his maxims in ways that go against the rational laws of his will, he holds himself, his will, to account for that. Yeah, okay. It does sound like incompatibilism to me, because it does create that separation between uh, determinism and moral responsibility. Well, I think, I mean, the emphasis I wanted to make is that he says, like, he doesn't say this is actually how it is. It's like, that's how we, cons cons that's how we think about ourselves and our experience. Like, he's saying, he's saying... um he doesn't hold himself responsible for these preferences and impulses or attribute them to his genuine self. He's not saying that they aren't, like, connected in fact. He just says, like, when we think of ourselves and how we make decisions, we see that we, we conceive of a separation between what we are tempted to do, inclined to do, and what we think we should do and maybe what we choose to do. So there's a separation between what we want and what we choose. And that's what free will means, is our being a rational being with free will, is that we, 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 the way we interpret our, our reality, our experience, necessarily includes this distinction between our choices and, um, you know, what we want to do. 
So I just got here, but like, um, does that mean that free will is like, um, Warlord is one for Free will is the ability to modify your impulses based on further information that isn't taken into account. I, I think for me, free will is just a concept and we talk about it and we all seem to intuitively understand what it refers to. Um, it refers to this experience we have of, you know, choosing one thing over another for a given reason. Um, yeah, yeah there are that reason is like totally predetermined. The fact of the matter is, is that we're choosing it. Or we feel like we're choosing it. Or, we, or at least we feel like we're yeah, choosing yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. And anyone can obviously see that there's a difference between, say, choosing to, uh, to like buy a coffee versus having someone holding a gun to your head telling you to buy a coffee. Right? Like, one of those is significantly freer than the other. Well, okay. One of those feels significantly freer from the other. But that's not something Khan disagrees with. And and also, I forget. I'm not disagreeing I with I wish, I, remember, I, think, I think it was one of the texts that I had recommended. Oh, but I, I can't remember if this is actually where it was. There's, like, an example um, about freedom. And... I don't know if it was him, but, but, but it's an example of like, so let's say, and I might totally botch this and, and mess it up. You are sitting in a chair and like someone tells you to, uh, push a button, um, or, and, and like you, 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 and, and so like, in in one situation, they say push that button or I'm gonna kill you, and they have like uh you know a gun to your head or something. Um, you, you it feels seems like you're not really free. Like you kind of have to choose to push the button, even if you know maybe you don't want to, but if you don't, you'll die. So like, are you free there? And then on the other side, though, you can think if someone says, okay, push the button, and they still are going to kill you if you don't do it, but you don't know that. Like, is your choice to push the button or not to push the button more free just because you don't know that they're going to kill you as a result uh, of your choice? Um, so, like, basically, it doesn't matter whether you're actually, like, in real life have the freedom to do one thing or another. What matters is, like, you actually making the decision based on the um, situation. Does that... I, I may have botched this example completely. Does it make any sense? To I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I don't completely see the point. Um, I think it's mostly in response to thinking of freedom as having the ability to do otherwise, like actually being able to do otherwise, versus like, um, like seeing like part of freedom requiring that you can do choose to do something else. Where because like the, I think the idea is like. When, when someone tells you that you're gonna, you're gonna push the button, push the button, or I'm gonna kill you, you're not free to make, the, the, part of the idea is you're not free to not push the button. Like, you have to push the button. You're forced to push the button, in a sense. Um, although you can argue, like I would, that you are free to not push the button, it just means you're gonna die. But, um. Uh, so, so the point, uh, so the, 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 the um, example is supposed to illustrate that it's not about, like, 
like it's not about the actual situation. It's about um Okay. So one thing I'd like to ask here is um does everyone here is everyone here on the same page as me if I claim that the difference between um what are the words here? Um the difference between a compatibilist compatibilist and an incompatibilist viewpoint is basically one of definitions and we're all thinking about the same reality. Uh I would uh, personally disagree. Really? I would say that they model two different kinds of realities. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I think I agree. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask. Um, I, I I thought I I thought that that was like a common way of thinking about it, but I guess I'm wrong about that. Yeah, no, I think that someone who, for instance, uh, believes that. Yeah, they just believe there's something qualitatively different about reality. Like, if you're a compatibilist, um, you can believe that everything is predetermined, but we still have free will. And that qualitatively says something about reality, whereas if you're an incompatibilist, you either believe there is no free will at all, um, and everything is predetermined, or that there is free will and not everything is predetermined. I mean, and those are, those are just, those are different. Like, it's not, talking like it means something significant to to make those distinctions it means something different about reality itself at least that's how i how i think of it um like for instance like you can imagine in a in a world where in an uh uh if i'm an incompatible if you're an incompatibilist and you believe that free will is possible it means that even with i mean i would imagine with the sufficiently you, you could never predict the future because people, you can't predict people's choices because people are free. I don't Wait. know. I'm just guessing. I'm just, I'm, maybe I'm sorry, wrong about would, that. Sorry, what would say that we can't predict the future? If, if you believe in free will, like actually being free and it's not compatible with determinism, you believe right, you can't yeah. predict the future. Like you can't do that because free will means that, um, well, not everything in general, is predetermined. If you don't agree with determinism, you don't believe, you don't think well, the yeah. future can be predicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a, and, but that, that's a qualitative difference with, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's an actual difference between compatibilism and, uh, well, it's right. a, well, determinism. I just, realize, I just didn't realize that the terms of this conversation were so broad as to include that kind of lunatic. I mean, what, what do you mean? I, I mean, like, it doesn't make sense to say that, it doesn't make sense to say that everything in the universe obeys basically deterministic laws except for humans making choices. That's like not a, uh, not, not a point. Not what it says. Huh? Compatibilism doesn't doesn't say that everything follows predictable laws except free will, except people have free will, except people having free will. Well, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not. Yeah. All I'm saying is that it wouldn't make sense to be able, like, we can factually predict the future of systems with fairly good accuracy in proportion to how what how much we know about those systems. So it would not make sense to say you can do that with all systems except for uh, people lives. say that. I think people legitimately say that, and it's not seen as a. It maybe maybe I mean to me I disagree with it obviously. Yeah. So, but 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 I think. Well, I mean, 
people can be wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, you know, people come up with, like, the whole, you know, oh, quantum states, randomness, can't oh. predict, and that's how... <laughs> Oh yeah. No, no. Okay. the the way I'm the way I'm used to having this conversation. I kind of jumped in a little bit, so I don't understand the full context. I'm sorry. Um, the way I'm used to having this conversation is just between incompatibilism, which is in terms of the belief that all of reality is predetermined, and or that um, at the very least, will can't exercise an effect on reality. Um, incompatible materialism. Yeah. Yeah. Incompatible materialism. Or, and I'm used to having that against the idea that... Um, or naturalism? I think naturalism is the preferred term, but I... I don't know. I'm used, to having, I'm used to having that discussion against the idea that free will is not itself a sensible idea in the intuitive understanding of the term, and that it would be better defined in a way which is something like acting according to your greatest impulse, in which case it exists and is compatible with determinism. I didn't know what you got said because I got distracted because like of what Milcom has written or, or copied. Because I guess. of Milcom's fucking multiple paragraphs? Uh, yeah, yeah no, but I, I, think I, it's, yeah. I think it's likely from... I don't know why I post multiple paragraphs. From the essay. That's a lot of paragraphs. From the essay, okay. Um, okay. Should, should uh, we... I think it provides an accurate portrayal of transfusion. Yeah. Uh, freedom and compatibilism. Do you want to do? do you... Uh, and I'm gonna have to bow out. You what? Uh, okay. I'm gonna have to bow out soon. So. Oh. Uh, dang. Okay. Also, don't don't worry if you didn't fucking listen too closely to what I was saying. Basically, all I was doing was explaining myself for why I didn't understand the context of the conversation. Oh, okay. I'm trying to decide: <laughs> should we read this, but Milcom posted out loud? Because that would be. But it's kind of long. What do you? How do you guys feel about it? We don't have to. Um, I mean, I want to read it. Obviously, at some point, I'm not saying we, nobody. Should, I'm just saying, like, should we read it out loud? Oh, Milcom, he left. Oh wow, I didn't think. Thank he was God, going. it's about fucking time, don't you think? Fucking hell, yeah. Can we just like, get rid of him from the group or something? Yeah, seriously. Like, wow, what an asshole! Come yeah, on, right? Um, <laughs> what if he fucking posts paragraphs and shit like. Uh. <laughs> then he tried to be helpful. I know, right? Um, Doesn't have opinions. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> I like can't. I can't because I, I. I'm not going to be able to read this unless it's the only thing I'm doing at that moment. That's that's right. Yeah, it's. I uh, personally, I can't read things and have a conversation at the same time. No, absolutely I not. I can read things and have a conversation, but I. But the conversation will suffer. Yeah. Um, and I can't read things related to Kant and have a conversation. Definitely not. <laughs> just in um, general. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we'll just let our we'll that our homework will be to read that. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So the reason we were talking about free will is because I mean, Somnia, you read section three, right? Because Kant talks about free will, and I was saying he seems like a compatibilist, but. Milcom was like, oh no, most people don't think Kant's a compatibilist. Um, which I thought strange. Because it seemed to me... Well, anyways. I just finished reading the paragraph, and uh, it does make sense, Kant not being a compatibilist. 
But like you'd have to like read through the example that is given in the paragraph about the thief. Should we read how it? Why don't Why don't you read it for us? Okay, so which paragraph are you talking about? Uh, well, that, that, that's the thing. So you can uh, summarize if you choose to. Okay, uh, but like the thing is, so, so basically he talks about uh, when you have a thief. Mm -hmm. performs a theft uh says so i'm gonna jump a bit here and the some parts i'm not gonna summarize i'm just gonna read it out but he says this was not within his control at the time like thief performed the theft and while it might be useful to punish him in order to shape his behavior or to influence others it nevertheless would not be correct to say that his action was morally wrong he's basically saying which is true is that regardless if you're like if you believe in free will or not you can still like like people's behavior because then the change will be failed but mm -hmm. you can't say that you're correcting them because the action is wrong you can only say that you're correcting them because corrected behavior would be preferable yeah yeah and then like if you jump to the first paragraph it says a compatibilist would say that the thief's action is free because its proximate cause is inside him because the theft was not an involuntary convulsion but a voluntary action Thief decided to commit the theft, and his action flowed from this decision. According to Kant, however, and this is the most important part, the thief's decision is a natural phenomenon that occurs in time, then it must be the effect of some cause that occurred in a previous time. So basically what it's saying is that the compatibilist is not looking far enough back mm. at that he's right in the moment. This is an essential part of Kant's Newtonian worldview, and is guarded in the a priori, a priori laws the category of cause and effect, accordance with which our understanding constructs experience. Every event has a cause that begins in an earlier time. Like the cause of the theft is not the person deciding to commit the theft. The person deciding to commit the theft is an effect. And that is not something a compatibilist would say. It's basically what those paragraphs are saying. Wait, why isn't that something a compatibilist would say? Because if that is merely an effect, then there's no such thing as free will. Well, because you'd always have to say that. I guess so, I'm misunderstanding compatibilism then. Well, no. I think all that makes him is a determinist, right? Uh, no, like, compatibilism as Kant understands it, it is important. Therefore, locates the issue in the wrong place. His issue is with time, nothing else. Even if the cause of my action is internal to me, if it is in the past, for example, if my action today is determined by a decision I made yesterday from the character I developed in childhood, it is not within my control now. If it can always source back uh, your decision now as an effect of a previous cause, so, the effects are not in control. Okay. What, like... Okay, so if that, if this is... Okay, okay, so here, here's a better question. What does he think... What does he think composes the idea of freedom, then? Well, see, that's the thing. Well, I okay, thought... I'll, well, I'll let you do it, but I just... I thought it, he was saying how it's basically... It's just a core way we think about our experience or we interpret our experience. We are... We are... It's like... We... Um, inherently think of ourselves as making choices in at each moment. Like that's how we interpret our experience. And so that's what free will is. 
it's based solely on that interpretation, regardless of whether like it's actually caused in that moment by that experience of choice. So I don't think that I don't think I, I think that can't be what Kant thinks of freedom because he uses freedom as <laughs> sorry the way I said that probably sounded kind of fucking fucking I'm gonna bite you with my words he can't think that no he, way he can't think that fuck off um, <laughs> anyway but but we're talking we're talking about Kant we can't do that every time um uh, we yeah, can't Kant is like a really dumb fucking. Yeah, no. Okay, okay. You can't so, make so, me so. stop. Okay, so fucking, I think that can't be what he thinks about um, freedom because he talks about freedom specifically in his formulation of the, in his formulation of, like in part three, the part we read this week. Um, there's like a bunch of freedom, yada, yada, yada. And I think that He's trying to tr he's trying to determine something which exists outside of the context of our particular perspective, which is a moral law. And if he was doing that, then he wouldn't. Then if that was how he thought of freedom, then he wouldn't use freedom as part of that. Well, thing is that, as unintuitive as it might sound, freedom can exist even in the absence of free will. Explain. Um, basically. Uh, okay, so again, I'll, I'll just read from the paragraph. For Kant, uh, ever, the cause of my action can be within my control now, only if it is not in time. Which is why, like, he would have an issue with the previous situation he described as being, like, descriptive under free will. This is why Kant thinks that transcendental idealism is the only way to make sense of the kind of freedom that morality requires. Transcendental idealism allows that the cause of my action may be a thing in itself outside of time, namely my noumenal self, which is free because it is not part of nature. No matter what kind of character I have developed or what external influence acts on me, on Kant's view, all of my internal, intentional voluntary actions are immediate effects of my noumenal self, which is causally undetermined. Noumenal self is an uncaused cause outside of time, therefore is not subject to the deterministic laws of nature in accordance with which our understanding constructs experience. So basically what he's saying is that when we make a choice because our understanding constructs experience, basically when our, when our choice is like an effect determined by a previous cause, because whenever you say previous, you have to like put yourself in time. <coughs> But an action has to be outside of time. It has to be timeless in order to enact will onto it, and that requires something transcendental, outside of nature. Because Kant agrees that nature is deterministic. Okay, okay. So, isn't that, like, extremely ad hoc? <laughs> what does ad hoc can't even mean? On this. I can just um, try to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ad hoc is, like, created for a specific purpose. Um, I'm, 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 what I'm doing by saying that is ad hoc is saying all he, like, basically he took an assumption. He basically took the assumption that, um, he took the assumption of some particular idea of morality and then worked backwards and said, what has to be true for this to be true? And then assumed that that's also true. 
And uh, when you remove the impossible, whatever remains, no matter how improbable, must be the case. Sorry <laughs> for the self quote. But I have, like, I have yeah. never met, I have never heard an argument that actually like uses that, which actually removes the impossible. Like again, you can argue whether he does a rigorous enough job of removing the. Quote unquote impossible, but yeah. Yeah, he's treating it as impossible for morality not to be objective, which, uh, oof. Well. He also treats it uh, to be impossible for will to be free unless it is uncaused. Of course, then he has to go through the ad hoc mm. of finding of whichever system allows will to be uncaused. Yeah, I mean, I think that will can be free and caused. I mean, because I think... Yeah. yeah. But I can't... Just not free in, like, an absolute with that, so, yeah. But what would... But free will in an absolute sense is dumb anyway. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Not, it's nonsense. It's not useful as a concept. It's in not. Oh, yeah, because read... that would be like, oh, yeah, I can make, in the same situation, any choice. Yeah, I mean... Which is to say that it's functionally random. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, and if it's functionally random, then I mean, that's not really anything that can be meaningfully called free anyway. Exactly. Like free will. There is no such thing as uncaused free choices, because if it's uncaused, it it's not affected by actual <laughs> things that actually factor into into decision making. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think for free will, like it requires that. You have, you know, some preference um, for something over another and, like, uh, some way to act, I guess. Like, that's all that free will mm -hmm. requires. Um, and it does require, like, you to have a preference and to have a given situation. Like, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't just be able to do anything and, like, like it, it doesn't... Yeah. I mean, free will only makes sense in the context of our human experience. It is a human concept created to describe our human experience. I mean, it doesn't make sense outside of that. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's just, yeah, it describes part of the experience of being conscious. It's not like a yeah, absolute thing. Exactly. Guys, we should read Wittgenstein. Like, we should really read language games. Um, we should read Wittgenstein. Wittgenstein, yeah. Um, I feel like Milcom would cry, though, because then we'd be, like, <laughs> giving up on Kant when he's like, we really need to go through this again. Um, I mean, that's not giving up on Kant. We can do more Kant later. Like, it's not like I'm, even Milcom himself is a huge fan of Kant, because he's not, clearly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I've got... Most people aren't a big fan of Kant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maybe he never wanted to be right. Maybe his point was to make something just wrong enough that people would rebut it and do good philosophy that he wanted them to do. But right that enough, sounds like that a thing I want to do now, but, um, but no, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I think Kant has a lot of important and good things to say. Like, even if... I mean, I, yeah, the sorry, way to he, be fair, not everything he says is wrong, even. Though most of his important things he says are. Um, 
And yeah, obviously there are things that he has to say which are not just total bullshit. I think that the the only issue Sometimes is they're right, and they're even he, novel. It's just time. some of the things he starts with, um, you know, like the starting assumptions, maybe, um, are questionable. Also, but like everything course. that follows from that is usually pretty pretty solid. Hmm. Um, well. No, I feel like some of his starting assumptions are fine, but then a lot of the other stuff just doesn't follow, actually. Like, he just sort of veers into moon logic occasionally. Like where? All right, so no, no matter why we think so, we can all agree Kant didn't quite have his head on straight. Yeah. Um, also, sorry, also I, of course... You guys are such, like, are you kidding me? Like, Kant's a fucking genius, I'm sorry. Like, he did have his head on straight. I think I think Kant is interesting, and some of his ideas were new at the time, and some of those... He was a revolutionary. Which is cool. He was cool. revolutionary. Um, a lot of the way uh, we think about things today, it's like because of Kant. I can't tell if you're memeing or not, so... I'm actually not memeing. I mean, I just think... And, like, part of it is, like, I do not have a full understanding on the matter, but I think it's incredibly... I think it's incredibly arrogant to be so dismissive of one of the greatest philosophical thinkers of the modern century or modern era. I think calling him one of the greatest philosophers of the modern era might be well. No, Are you one kidding of me? Fair. One of his fair. That that's fair, actually. Yeah. Yo, Kant um, changed everything. What the fuck? I actually know, like he was huge. Like he had a huge fucking influence. Like that's fair. Oh. So I, I do wonder why. Was, so like. His particular, I actually don't know much about the history of philosophy. Okay, his particular arguments weren't great, but what was his approach to philosophy way different? No, so from here's, here's what it is, I think. Um, it was, his, so like a big debate going on, and granted, granted, like yet again, I am not like super authoritative on the subject. I just took a what? modern philosophy class. Um, but like, basically there was this huge conflict about metaphysics and about idealism versus, um, uh, what's the other one? It's idealism um, and materialism. Sh sure. Idealism and the other one materialism, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, I think it materialism is it. Um, I mean, they're at this point the same thing, but, but at the time they weren't. Yeah, like a huge debate about what, um, and like the substance that makes up the world and like how, like what's the deal with like mental stuff and physical stuff and what's like. What's the deal with mental and, stuff? And Kant synthesized everything by saying that part of our reality is not just like, is like, is just how, uh, is determined by how we interpret the world. Like that's a core part of reality. And like there are, there are rules to that. So like, um, like I think he he said it like, uh, there's like a specific analogy where like our mind is like the lens with which we view reality. And so like the knowing the characteristics of that lens is like part of knowing what reality is. Um, and so like he, he can't, he came up with a whole metaphysics where it was like, uh, I mean, like, the, the fact that, you know, we experience, like, I, the idea that time and, like, cause and effect, like, those things are core truths that come from our 
like nature as perceivers or our nature as like thinkers or whatever. Um, and like, that's fair. I guess I didn't realize how much of that like hadn't already. Been yeah, so exactly. That's, that's fair. Yeah, it was like yeah. big fucking deal. So yeah, yeah is great I, I, in the sense that Citizen okay. Kane is great. I, I must admit, I must admit yeah, that um, it, it might be one of those Seinfeld isn't funny kinds of things, right? <laughs> I, I don't get what you mean. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Though. Okay, so Seinfeld Seinfeld invented a bunch of things um, in the modern sitcom, which are now uh, done to fucking death. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, with uh, Citizen Kane, which is that yeah, it it revolutionized everything and changed a bunch of things, and now every movie does all of the things that it did that were unique, and so it's kind of boring at this point. So I think maybe a lot of the things that a lot of the things that are easy for us to just look past in Kant would have been somebody somebody at the time might have looked at that and gone, "What the fuck, Kant? That's a thing." Holy shit, that's new, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think All that's right. fair. Then yeah, I, I, I honestly, also have the uh, best I mean, in our discussion the, beforehand the about like uh, the model view of the world and the model logic, like that's something that was literally invented in 1960. Way after Kant, he was quite like a progenitor of many things. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and I still, his ideas are extremely influential. Like, I think a lot of people still think about like metaphysics from a Kantian perspective of like, um, we can't actually know the thing in itself. We can only know the representation of the thing or whatever the fuck it is. Um, I think that's what it is. I don't know. Wow, why do I feel like nobody knows more than me? Which is bad because I don't know anything. So, um, but I don't know. Yeah, Kant is an Ooh. ambitious choice for us. I also feel like nobody knows more than me, and that's because I'm superior to you all. I like how you I just feel yourself. like everyone knows more than me on particular topics. I don't know if Kant is one of them. At least, like, when Milcom is not here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, also, one, one thing on the topic of Kant, Kant's moral philosophy, of course, is that it needs to, once per conversation, be addressed, of course, that any time he talks about how we should treat other people, uh, you need to add except for people who aren't white at the end. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> Not that that was unique at the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just saying that's that's always something that needs to be mentioned when talking about Kant. Well, the fun thing is, you know, Kant believed that masturbation was immoral because it treats yourself as an end to or means to an end. Um, Video I, games would be so fucking immoral. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's weird. I remember in a... I mean, there are literally video games about Kant. How ironic is that? <laughs> there are video games about Kant? Yeah. Like what? I am oh. also curious. Like, the first example that came to mind, I think there's one, like, on Congregate. It's, like, a short video game in which, like, a, a dude died, and to get back, uh, he has to, like, debate a bunch of philosophers, and Kant is one of them. It's kind of lame. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I took a philosophy of love and yeah. sex class and it was actually, it was like a shit class cause it was like entry. It was like what a bunch of freshmen would take, like, you oh. know, as an elective, but it was still fun. Um, 
And, like, we read about Kant and his whole spiel on, like, love and sex. And, like, you know, obviously it was all about <laughs> that you had to be married and, like, only procreative sex yes. and, like, all this fucking because shit. this obviously is derived from how from how we are and, and how we must I not just, be. And to, yeah, obviously. Uh, even if, okay, so, like, like taking this, a this side. Completely novel, so just, this completely novel concept of how to, of how to like derive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably comes to basically exactly the, the moral thinking of the time. Yo guys <laughs> today. Oh my God. Today at uh, my church service online. Oh my God. The pastor preached about homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> because, oh no, because of the Supreme court ruling that you can't discriminate based on um, homosexuality now as a protected class in the U.S. Yeah. And, like, he was, like, I mean, he's very clear. He's, like, I don't think that you should be able to discriminate against that. I would never discriminate against that. Like, and, like, he was very but clear. Which is saying you're going to burn in I mean, it is actually, there's actually some more interesting things than that. Um, he did say oh. America is, or, or I always think of, thought of America as a Christian nation. But, but now... <laughs> You know, and 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 I and I and like the thing is, like God will protect. Like like I worry about uh, what is it? Uh, how how um, because like we're living in Babylon now. We are proud of our sexual uh, immorality, and he says immorality. Like he says like the t- like he, oh, he the yeah. way he like says shit. Oh my god! I was like, yo, dude. Wow, sexual immorality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was just, uh, it was just interesting. I was like surprised because, because it's, it was a, it's, you know, Father's Day. So I was kind of thinking he would preach about fatherhood or something. And then he just does this whole thing. Yeah, you would think, huh? Um, Because like I chose, I chose the music that was like very father, um, you know, themed. And then, nope. Uh, it was well, this, uh, nope. We're talking about about the sin of homosexuality. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's yeah. fucking great. Uh, I, I, I'm beginning to think maybe, uh, maybe I mean, I, should, I mean, maybe I should start going to church again and just start laughing at all the jokes. I mean, yeah, the thing is, though, like I, I know, like I. But what don't... if you misread it and one of the things isn't a joke? Well, no, no, that's the, that's what's funny. You just, laugh at all but the, but the thing is, like, I, I I find value in listening and hearing what like this this viewpoint genuinely and trying to like see why it makes sense because it does make sense. It's not nonsense. I disagree with it, but it makes well, sense. It dep- depends on what you mean by makes sense, but well, like if you if you believe the Bible is literally true and there are passages which very explicitly uh sorry sorry makes sense are we on the same page here i'm i'm i mean like it's not consistent no so i'm trying to figure out what you mean by makes sense because that's normally what i would think of as 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 a a ideology makes sense if Um, you believe the bible is literally true and if you and, and, and part of that, there are inconsistencies in gray areas, but there are very explicit criticisms and condemnations of homosexuality in the Bible. But if you believe those things and you take those things to be meaningful, um, as you know, the they believe that the Bible was 
the word of God, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, all of it should be taken literally. All of it should be taken as real. If you believe those things, uh, yeah, you... Okay, but you actually just slid past the doesn't make sense part. I mean, the maybe our ability to... In, the, the, the scripture itself maybe is hard to make sense of because of its inconsistencies, but... But if you are starting from the assumption that the Bible is literally true and that those inconsistencies are just – they seem inconsistent to us because of our – Okay, if the, Bible, if the Bible is true, then God is perfect. And if God is perfect, he would have made the Bible – No. He would have no. made the Bible by, by and no, by if, if God is If God is perfect, he would have made the Bible exactly as he made it and it would be perfect because he is the definition of perfect. It's circular. Exactly as he intended it to be. Exactly. Uh, it's exactly so, as yeah, – Yeah, I'm like, that's, I, that's not a fair criticism. There are lots I, of criticisms to make. I fucking, I fucking despise that for so many reasons, but you, you're right. You're free to despise it. I mean, yeah, it's, No, it's awful, but, but that, that part at least is internally consistent. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, it is yeah. to be to um, be perfectly that, fair. I, I get what you mean by like enjoying like what what you get out of that. Like I, I enjoy the occasional conversation I have with a neo-Nazi. It can be quite interesting, you know. But doing um, it every Sunday, oof. I mean, it's. No, it's I, I really like having a regular. Th- I could totally go for that. And, uh, and I'm also religion personally. Uh, just, the majority. But, uh, the majority. Like, like, it is so, like, he doesn't, he almost never talks about that shit. Like, it was very surprising. I think it was just because of that, like, Supreme Court thing. Like, normally. Oh, was that racist? I don't know. He he said he saw the news about it on Monday. That's what he said. I don't oh, fucking okay. know. Fair enough. Um, I, I think most of the time he's talking about other things. And I, what I, what I find interesting, I mean, for me, it's, I see Christianity as a practice that has a lot of grounding in human psychology. Um, like, and, and I think it's interesting to see the Christian beliefs and what they reflect about, you know, what people really want and what, how people really feel about their place in the world and what brings them comfort, um, and what that means. Um, for, and, and I think it's not, things that are interesting to me too, are the idea of, uh, like humans, like we are totally like subordinate to God. And if from, from a traditionally really individualist culture, like America or the West in general, I guess, where it's all about the individual, like we kind of see as inherently negative, you know, being subordinate to somebody else, being totally at the mercy, like, like we don't like the idea of an absolute monarchy or like that kind of, like, or just having to obey without question if we don't understand. Like we see that as inherently negative. Um... And yet it's interesting to see a coherent philosophy of life where you are subordinate to a supreme being and you do not always understand what they say, but you're just supposed to do what they say anyways. You're supposed to Which, worship them. of course, only applies to specific branches of Christianity because other branches of Christianity say that you're supposed to question those things and if you do your due diligence, you will come to the conclusions that you should obey them. That's true. That's true. I'm just talking about my own experience with Christianity. I'm not talking about all of it. Um, uh, but I, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, and I like... I know, like, because you're saying that you're appreciating Christianity because that is what it has to say. And some Christians, and even Christian scholars, would disagree that that is what Christianity has to say. Well, it is what... 
a Christianity has to say, a type of Christianity. There are a lot of different. Yes, there are. And it's always fun when they start talking about heretics and how the, the churches who preach that acceptance of gay people are preaching heresy and that they need to be silenced. That's always fun. differ very slightly and your beliefs for me are awful and need to be silenced. Well, it's not that they're awful, but it's like that you see it as spreading misinformation, as actively bringing people to sin, as doing a negative yeah. service. Like, but whereas like a, a, an atheist talking about being a pride, gay pride, it's like whatever. But when a Christian, someone with, a, who seems to have authority and is trying to spread faith, when they start doing something that is uh sinful in the eyes of the this particular like uh group um uh, and yeah it's like they're they're like oh one of us could get like swayed over to that side into sin. well it's seen as taking yeah. the lord's name in vain that's what it's that's what they how they frame it they frame it like take the lord's name in vain doesn't mean just saying oh my god you know as an expletive what it means is preaching bullshit yeah, the because the of God. was probably about invoking the Lord, like in a magical sense. Well, I mean, it's, I'm just saying this is a common way I've no, heard I, talked I, about. I just, by... I that's funny. No, that that is entirely accurate in how it's currently used by most people. I'm just yeah, except um, the extreme literalists who are even weirder. What do you mean? Yeah. By, what do you mean by the extreme literalists? Because these people are pretty extremely literal. So I don't know how uh, they can get. Well, I mean, people who take something like that literally, and that as, that as, as an example, I as an example, I once had a half-hour argument with my, with my grandma about why the Bible doesn't say that I shouldn't say "Oh my God," and she wasn't convinced. Yeah, that kind of extreme literalism. Mm. Like less on the extreme, like. Extremely literal, not extreme and literal. The, the the kind of person who just like purely uses the Bible as a way to get other people to act the way that they feel is right. Well, that doesn't sound like that. a literalist to me. That sounds just that, like that's not what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I, someone who interprets it very literally. Well, no, I I assumed that. I, I kind of made the implicit assumption there that biblical literalists, literalists are pretty much all that kind of person because they're just picking little pieces out of the Bible that they think say things. No, they are, no, they are actually assume. striving to hmm. be as true to the word of God as possible. As they, they are trying. Like, as They're not just trying like to if enforce... If you're trying to be as much a, as a biblical literalist as you possibly can... And you won't just fall into the pitfall of trying to see it as convenient as possible because that would be interpretive. It wouldn't be literal. Wait to see what is impossible? I, what? Oh, like if you're a biblical literalist and you're supposed to take it as is, not as it is convenient to you, because whatever is convenient to you would be like an interpretation of the wording. Yeah, okay. okay I was you should to, be I... able to say things that you disagree with that are like as true to the wording as possible. So no, that image of a literalist it makes sense. Shouldn't hold. Yeah, I guess I was trying to draw. I guess I failed to successfully draw a distinction there between people who are biblical literalists and people who go by the tag biblical literalist. Right. Yeah, I was talking about people who are because like the, 
for me, I would say that the practical distinction is that I'm not saying you do it all the time, but at least sometimes uh, people who are like true biblical literalists should say things that they feel are wrong. They do, yeah. Because the Bible says them, yeah. They do. And that's how, and that's how it seems like, and that's what's interesting about it to me, like, sometimes like you, like, like the argument you hear, you know, when, uh, the pastor talks about how homosexuality is wrong. He's like, it doesn't matter if it feels like it's okay. The Bible says it's wrong, so it's wrong. And it doesn't matter how – none of that matters. None of our intuitions matter because of what Scripture says. That, that, reminds me, that. That, that, that reminds me of something. I want to try to defend Kant a little bit here because I think somebody okay. said earlier – I think somebody said earlier um, – it's funny how this arrives at mostly the moral oh, – That was um, me, yeah. Yeah, at mostly the same moral conclusions that uh, Kant's culture was at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, I actually disagree with that. Um, there's this. Um, have Have you any of you heard of the fucking murderer at the door? Uh, what? Oh yeah, murderer. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking okay. I'm gonna go over this for yeah. people. Who okay, haven't. yeah, no, that one, that one's definitely different. Um, yeah, fucking. So there's this idea. I did, I did say um, most. Okay, just I, can I, you yeah. let I him explain what the idea is? <laughs> Oh, okay. sorry. No, sorry. So, okay, so, okay. so Kant figured, Kant had this thing where he went through the categorical imperative and was like, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so ultimately what we can conclude is that lying to somebody else is always wrong. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that lying to somebody else is always wrong because it strips them of their autonomy or something like that. Um, okay, so somebody asked, what if somebody knocks on your door, um, so, what if somebody knocks on your door and it's your friend, and they say, holy shit, man, I gotta hide, somebody's trying to murder me, and so they go hide in your closet, and then somebody else knocks at your door a few minutes later, and they say, hey, I'm looking for your, your friend, um, hi, I'm an and, axe murderer, yeah. where's your friend? Yeah, hi, I'm an axe murderer, where's your friend? Um, and Kant's answer to that was, yeah, if you lie to them and say your friend isn't here, you are stripping of them, stripping them of their autonomy and not respecting them as a as a being capable of making rational decisions by not telling them where your friend is. Or I don't know if that's exactly what he said. He might have said it was okay to not tell them. As long as you don't lie to them, I don't know. It, it's, uh, no, uh, I, I don't think he said that. That's I the think thing. Other people be... who agree with him in some ways have said, but I don't think okay. that's something he yeah. said. Okay, um, okay. To be fair, I actually, you know what? I actually agree with Cot there. I think that's entirely true. But letting the but telling the axe murder where your friend is is worse than lying to them about it. <laughs> they're they're both bad. But you have to do one, and one is not as bad. Well, one is concerned with results, and one is concerned with the, uh, like. Well, I think I think they well, can both be concerned with the results. I I do think that I do think Kant definitely presents a valid reason of thinking about how lying in a way which achieves your ends so clearly might still cause some amount of negative results. Yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah. what. I don't think it's about no, think results for him, is though. Always bad, but sometimes not as bad as whatever the alternative is. It always uh, but you're, but you're, you're, oh my god! 
Are, are you saying that it always creates some sort of negative weight when you lie? No, but the, the thing is, it doesn't matter what the result I'm, is. I'm a he, it so literally doesn't lie. matter what the result oh. is. Lying yeah, in itself no, is I'm, bad saying, always, no matter what. doesn't matter yeah. what it brings about. Right. I'm saying, well I'm, well, I'm not a deontologist, right? I'm saying that I, that in this specific place, uh, my philosophy agrees with Kant's. I'm not saying, yeah, I, yeah. Not that that's not that Kant is specifically, um, not that Kant specifically cares about the results, since obviously it doesn't. Yeah. It's just you think the way he goes through it is a useful way of thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you know what? You you lie to the axe murderer about your where your friend is. That has negative consequences. Just maybe not the one. Maybe not as bad as. the what would happen if you told the axe murderer where your friend is. Obviously, Kant would say that uh, it's not about the negative consequences. It's That's just categorically bad. And that's where we'd actually disagree with. But I just think it's an interesting uh, point of intersection. Uh, does nobody here agree that this is like a false dilemma? What? Uh, no, yeah, it totally is. You can also as in it is false that there are two choices because, like, in real yeah, life, yeah, 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 in real life, Max murder came at your door and asked if your friend is there. You wouldn't say my friend is not here. You would say I refuse to answer. Yeah. Well, no, I would not even say break my friend is not here. So to be fair, I would probably say my friend is not here. Uh, yeah, saying your friend is not here. No, no. Know, I probably thing. wouldn't open the door because if my friend came saying I need to hide, I'd probably That's ask him why, fair. and he'd probably say, "Oh, there's door. somebody chasing me, so be careful of anybody coming to the no. door." That's probably yeah, what would actually happen. Yeah, well, yeah, realistically, what you'd actually do in this situation is just lock the door and call the police. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Ew, okay, the okay. police, <laughs> cringe. <laughs> Cringe. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that the police doesn't exist because we're talking about Kant and it didn't have police back then. I'm pretty sure he had some form of law enforcement, although you couldn't call them. Not really, no. It's it's complicated, but not really. Okay. Like, I, 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 political I, yeah. philosophy? Like the, the modern concept of police is quite new, like way more new than people would think. And something yeah, like affirmative patrolling wouldn't have existed for like Earlier than like fifty years wait, ago. Wait, so wait, what? I, I mean, like, so there were soldiers who walked around. Yeah, what? What did they use for that? That I actually don't remember. Um, I well, presumably, presumably, instead of having affirmative patrolling, yeah. you would just fucking have people that you would go to if you had an issue. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you would have to make the move. It, it wouldn't be something like have an issue in the next ten minutes. I will get it resolved. No, you're just on your own. You're fucked. Um, but I mean, in our, can... our example, calling the police, there's no or... affirmative patrolling either. We're going to get somebody to help. Yeah. So. Uh, before I, I, the Metropolitan I... Police Act in 1829, law enforcement among the general population of English was carried out by unpaid parish constables who were elected. Um, they were unpaid? Wow. Yeah, yeah, they were unpaid. What the fuck? In the... Even nowadays, there are, like, uh, countries where the fire departments are unpaid. Yeah, voluntary I mean, there, are, work. there are voluntary firefighters. But how do they, like, how is that sustainable? I mean, I'm, obviously it must work in some way, but how is it sustainable? I don't understand. Um, 
And I if mean, it is sustainable, also, that's I mean, only I think it's totally sustainable. But the problem is that you're going to get people who want to be who want to be law enforcement and don't care about getting paid, which frequently will just be people who want power over other people. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I think that paying law enforcement actually yeah, does probably, yeah, yeah, probably helps reduce the problems because it gets people who it, it at least reach out. It, it adds Only in if who there's just like more. consequences for being a shitty police officer. Pay, pay yeah. law enforcement enough, and then don't give them incentives. Don't give them incentives and power to yeah. use that I mean, position power to uh, exploit people. Hey, we already have one of those currently. Now we just need to not incentivize them or train them to be fucking terrible. Let's just and we actually have evidence about custom officer. Uh, like, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, um, you said we, we we already have one. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we. Paid no, no, like one. we actually have studies of like uh, custom officers at the border. You know, like the people who get to in when you cross the border. Yeah. We have studies showing that the well the better paid ones take in fewer bribes. Actually like this yeah. is objectively true. That makes sense. <laughs> no one should find that surprising. <laughs> wow, if they're paid well, they don't take bribes? Imagine if we did that with like government officials or something. Uh... No, really. Like oh, really. Yeah, no, I I do I do genuinely think that there are ways in which we should move in a way that feels initially opposed to, like, the overall goal in order to just fix the incentives for the system we have. Yeah, so, right for example, now. if you have a plan or a platform to ban lobbying, you'd have to increase, like, parliament stories. You'd have to. Yeah. yeah. Necessarily. And I think that would be great. I think we should. Both of those. Me too, but, like, you know. But yeah, no, that does seem in some ways initially counterproductive. Like how the reform leads to less crime because there's less recidivism, but you you have to take the initial cost. Because like doing like rehabilitation projects and like targeted rehabilitation for different types of crime will the budget. Then you'd have to gamble that the lessening of crime rate will affect the budget in a more positive way than its increase for more like from the sentencing and the punishment. There's a lot of stuff that's like hard to do because of inertia, because no, no choice has only upsides. We've already gone through thousands of years of only doing the choices that only have upsides, and now we're out of those. We're only left with, like, necessary evils and, like, net positives that aren't inherent positives in all their aspects. I would argue... I, I don't think there... What decisions have we had that are all, that only have positives uh, that we've previously made that? Even... even I'm not even, even sure if we've previously made any of those. Even those decisions had people who were angry about them for totally unreasonable reasons, which means they yeah, were harmful. Yeah, and even that's a downside, yeah. Like, I don't think there are any decisions oh. in society that don't have... Yeah, like, at all, ever, that don't have any downsides. I'm not happy about them. But, yeah, like, but like the thing is, when people are unhappy about something, you really have to look at, like, what people can be unhappy about. You can look at what there is consensus about, and you'll find a lot of very weird and random shit. 
example, like the shape of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, example. Yeah. There have been cons- there's been consensus about that for thousands oh, of years. Really now. long. I'm not talking time. about consensus. I'm talking about like it's almost impossible to find things that less than four percent of the population disagrees with. That doesn't mean that those yeah. things aren't like rigorously provable or some shit. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. There are literally yeah. people oh, I, who I, don't I, think. Sorry. I'm like I I agree. That's why you can't have any decision in society that's literally that literally has no downsides ever in the past or present. And the person like, like I, I, mean, downside, I mean I literally agree with you. That like yeah, there are no like, like decisions. If you no define downside. downside as at least one person disagrees with you, then I don't think that's a useful definition of I would the word downside. downside as there are, I would define downside as there are any negative consequences, regardless of the overall effect. And people who yeah. disagree with that are negative consequences. I mean, downside straight up, straight up. Sorry, I can't talk. Straight up exist on like a sliding scale from nothing to like uh, the universe explodes in a way that's painful for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Please. I really like that. <laughs> yes, and obviously. Uh, not, uh, no longer banning homosexuality is on the far end of that spectrum, uh, where every where the universe will explode, will eventually explode in a way that is painful for everyone because of it. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yes. The gay apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what my pastor thinks is happening now. He's thinking we're all descending into sexual immorality. And that's literally <laughs> true. What do you mean? Yeah. Oh God, that's so beautiful, though. The K-Pocalypse. I'm just so happy about that. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. I think I think this conversation has in general been pretty good, and uh, and it became amazing when that, uh, at, at this point. Um, yeah, that, there were just a few baggers. Somebody should just put a clip of that somewhere. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got the audio. Yeah. If someone can just else besides me can go through and do what they want with it. Uh, yeah, just clip out that. Guys, guys, we should have we should guys, we should have the J-Reg Reading Club podcast. <laughs> I mean, it'd be pretty easy for already recording it. <laughs> we can literally just slap the word podcast. On there. I know. Yeah. At the very beginning of the recording, we we can be like Oh, Wait! Too. Don't forget to like, share. <laughs> the, the most important thing is that we have to keep. We have to have some sort of version that has, like, if we do editing at all, then we also have to put the full recordings up, so that we have this conversation up, so that people, if anybody ever watches it, they know we had the idea to do to put them up later. Yeah, we'll yeah, not start yeah, with yeah, this right, gonna, segment. We'll no. just edit this part out of of uh, when we release it. Um. And there will be no first episode because we're never going to get a version of that file that people can Oh my god. <laughs> uh, did Reba ever respond to any of y'all? Uh, he hasn't oh. responded to me yet. I don't, th- did anybody oh. else message him? I just messaged no. him. Uh, he's also like, not like, when I said I didn't know, he hasn't responded. Okay, yeah. So yeah he, I mean, he's not on mine yet, so I'm not surprised. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I hope, I hope we, uh, get that at some point because I really do want to listen to that one. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. So I think um, maybe 
we have a couple things. Uh, first of all, we didn't have, which I don't know if we want to make this a routine or not. We didn't have an instance where we all went around giving an answer to a question this time yet. Granted, it's not everybody's Oh, here. yeah, we should do We haven't that. done like, that. We like can do that. that. And then also we have to decide. It's going to be like a regular thing for each show. I like for that. Each for each yeah, show? Did you just say? No, 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 no. Did you just say each show? Wait, what? Even if you, even if you didn't, you basically did because it's canon. It's can- we we could go over in the recording. It's but it's this canon. is a podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is the worst kind of podcast too. Like We're it's also just the best people just talking. It's nobody gives a sh- uh, anyways. Um, uh, isn't that that is what the best kind of podcast? Huh? Yeah, I, mean, I don't like that. I mean, I only like the kinds. Like, for instance, there's this one podcast I like called, um, what is it? Uh, Dangerous History Podcast or something. And he's like super, like, he's like, I mean, he's kind of anarchist, I guess. And he gives this, uh, telling of, uh, history from, uh, you know, an anarchist perspective or like trying to synthesize what, data. What you're referring to? You're referring to is the type of podcast where people actually put effort in, and yeah. I can't condone that kind of generosity. <laughs> That's all uh, I like to listen to, though. Like, I can't, I can't be bothered. Like, and honestly, like a lot of this guy's content, like he'll have stuff where he collabs and just like talks through shit with people, and I just like don't give a shit. Like, I just don't care. But I like it. Like, he had like some really in depth series on like the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and I really liked those. They were really, really the, good. The only podcasts I listen to are either people talking to each other or like. People doing episodic audiobooks of things. Mm. Okay, I'm I'm a good citizen, right? Like I listen to Night Vale, but but I actually haven't listened to Night Vale. Fucking, I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a good podcast. It's pretty good. Um, I recommend it. Somehow, somehow, there are a bajillion episodes in, and they still manage to have moments quite often that just really get me. It's good. Um, Yeah, honestly, yeah, I would recommend Welcome to Night Vale, especially if you like things that aren't just people talking to each other. Um, Podcast uh, about a very, very, very weird town. And it's it takes the format of like radio broadcasts. Yeah, radio show. Wait, is it like fiction? Yes. Oh. Oh, not a fan of fiction. I mean, not a fan of fiction. I don't know. I like fiction. I just. I don't know. I would say check it out. Um, it's pretty good. You might like it. I think it's changed a lot over time, but it has changed in like a uniformly good way. But also originally, it was still pretty good. So you know, I, I yeah, I I never got through that much of it. So I don't know if I actually like yeah. got to the part where it changed. I I, I don't know. I, 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 I could I could definitely imagine somebody feeling like it's gotten worse if they had very specific tastes. That's fair. <laughs> Well, generally, well, I mean, that, well, that applies I, to actually, yeah, yeah, that applies <laughs> over time, you're right. Um, yeah. I realized that right before you said it. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the thing is, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are just people fucking around and talking like this. And that's good, because you get moments like the gay apocalypse, where the universe explodes painfully for everyone. Yes, because <laughs> of right. the gays. Anyways, guys, okay, so... Okay. The next, yeah, so we the next, so we're gonna have our little question, and then we have to decide what next text, and then we also have to think about the time for next week. So those are the things you have to do in that order. So right. what should the question be? Personally, I think the most relevant question was something about free will, like our opinions on it, just because we talked about that, even though it's not exactly, mm. 
you know, moral philosophy, but I don't know what you guys think. Oh, we don't need to specifically stick to moral philosophy. No, I'm just, yeah. is that a good, good prompt? Yeah, sure. Okay. What, 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 do you think free will exists? What are your, what are your random thoughts on free will? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and also, you could, you could, you could also actually, you know, actually, okay, um, that question on the general philosophy in the JREG server actually, um, uh, was actually no kind way. of good. That was actually, I know, it was actually some good stuff because he was talking about like responsibility. Uh, where, where was it? Well, actually, can somebody I used to read every, I used to read general. every message in philosophy. I so. did too. Except for when they I started getting into philosophers in all, in all three of the wacky channels in, I mean, in the queer channels and in fucking sincerity. And I haven't paid attention to any of the server in like a couple of weeks. Oh, the queer channels are fucking great. Fucking yeah, Femboy, Gu- Femboy Gulag was the shit. Yeah, <laughs> I never different. went into that because. Uh... Um, uh, were you there when Sage did the thing? Uh, which thing? Did the thing? Uh, How very specific well, and articulate um, of you. Sage spent like a night just fucking creating roles and like like doing an Easter egg hunt. Oh yeah, no, I I got all of them. Uh, when <laughs> you got all of them. Yes. I, I, I'm still really happy about the member role. Yeah, uh, is that still a thing? I don't even remember. Let me check um, my own name. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type a message in general see. to see. Uh, oh, I still have member. Yeah. All right, sweet. I still have member and slimest and no. I, I only have member because I lost the other ones. Um, oh, I because, you, you, know how, you know how I lost them? No. I got kicked from I got kicked from the server for reasons I don't understand. It wasn't in the audit log. It wasn't anywhere. Oh, was it that like one time when like lots of people got kicked to like protect the server from like Discord TOS? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, there was um there were some off rights posting kitty porn uh or other shit. I don't remember. No, wait. No, wait. Librites posting kitty now, who was posting Kitty before? Somebody on the right. Somebody. I know it was, I know it was right, but I don't remember when. No, I think it was Authrights, because I, because I would have remembered because the, because uh, Librite is the meme. Um, well, maybe we'll, maybe, I can't talk to you. How much time I was spending on like Librite and it never happened. Like, I think that at a certain point, some like Lib lefts came to Librite and posted some like questionable shit there because they, there was like a movement from the, Left Unity chat to go do that in LibUnity? I have no idea. I haven't paid attention to the left Unity. Like, actual regulars from LibUnity never did stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I know, I know a lot of people there. I know, some, I don't remember which group, but one of the, one of the Unities or something I'm in, uh, has the idea that le- that Lib, uh, sorry, that left Lib is the one that's posting a bunch of kitty porn and shit. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Or wait, no, no, not posting about it. Just is in general in favor of pedophiles. That, that was it. Um, I don't know. Fucking liability is very extreme about killing. Yeah, maybe we should be, maybe we should talk yeah. about the topic at hand. We were we're no, yeah, sure, but like didn't get okay, the yeah. question. Like, what was the question in philosophy? Speaking general? which, if we were, oh. we're cutting all of this. Well, I think... yeah, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> no, no. Here's the question: Should we kill pedophiles? <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Like, what was the question? Because I didn't catch it. Uh, well, it wasn't a specific question. I think, 
Uh, and I think this is a general topic that the, the guy was asking, like, oh, uh, he said, okay, so this guy exclamation says, here are my thoughts on free will. Would really appreciate any thoughts you have on the idea. If all of our decisions are a culmination of the knowledge we've learned in the past, then aren't all our decisions determined by our parents, teachers, and other individuals? And if all of that is true, then how can anybody be responsible for their own decisions because we are not responsible for them? So, like, to, 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 I think the question I want to tease okay. out of this is, is free will real? Um, and like, how does that tie into moral responsibility? All right, that's good. I okay, like that. Huh? What? Oh, I said we should we should start with cryoliberal and work our way down, just like and it's in like order always. To, uh, that's what we always so. do. That's how we did it alphabetically. That did is we? alphabetically. That is, oh yeah, that is alphabetically. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! I don't pay attention to how it's actually ordered. I'm Holy like, shit! I don't know it's ordered. You guys did like by memory or some shit. I, I don't. I haven't paid attention to that. But yeah, wait, right. really? I, I didn't think it always organized. It's always alphabetically. It's, it's always, always alphabetical. Apparently, yeah. Well, wait one second. I'm changing my nickname to an exclamation point. Why? So you gotta go um, first. Yeah, sure. Special characters are first or last. You can just go first. Uh, if we want, we can go up, down, bottom to top. How about that? To change. No, it no, no, no. I, I just, I just wanted to change it to see if it did it alphabetically. That's all. Oh. Yeah. And it does. You could go first now, Somnia. Som- it doesn't matter. We're still we're still gonna go we're still gonna have you go first. Alright, we're gonna mix it up, bottom to top. Okay. Yeah. Um alright. So fucking the first things first, um determinism is seems pretty unambiguously like it is the only thing that makes sense in our universe. Um not hard not, not like ultra hard determinism. Um, I think somebody described it as like naturalism earlier, um, which is which I interpreted vaguely as all consequences are the result of natural laws, which I think is what, a reasonable. What do you mean statement. by ultra hard determinism? Um, ultra hard determinism would be if you know everything about the state of a system at one point in time, you can use that knowledge to predict it, the state of that system at any other point in time, um, which seemingly contradicts what we know about quantum mechanics. Hmm. It might. It might. Yeah. Nah. We definitely we don't have we don't have any reason to think I, I think that I think that asserting, that asserting either the positive or negative on that on that is is a tough one to, to actually yeah. do. Um, there are some fundamental theories of how information works given what we understand about quantum mechanics that say that it's quite likely that there is fundamental randomness going on, which is freaky. It's really freaky. I think probably it's just there's another um, influence that could be measured if we had more information. I don't think. I agree. I don't think anything. It can Um, can be seem random, but I don't think it's actually random. Okay, let let me put it this way. Um, There's this thing called... Bells no, dude. I, I look. It's it, wait, wait. yeah. It's okay. Okay. All, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be super specific here. Um, and I also don't want to make myself sound, make myself sound stupid, super stupid. If anyone ever listens to this, who knows what they're talking about. But I'm pretty yeah, sure there's a thing called. I'm pretty sure there's a thing called Bell's theorem, which says that if if there is a way of making sense of quantum mechanics which involves information which is hidden to us, it must follow unusually specific rules that seem like they can't be met. Um, 
Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. Can we please just finish the topic? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to get back on topic. Anyway. Uh, I haven't even gotten free will. Okay. Oh, my God. Fucking. Okay, so. Fucking. Okay, so free will is complicated because it's really hard to define. Um, if you define free will as a human's. It's not completely consensus. I didn't actually know that. Um, it, to be clear, so so we understand. Cryo just wrote Bell's theorem is not completely consensus, but we can go over that later. Yeah. Just for the yeah, listeners out there who can't see the chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, oh, good. Really, now I really do need to get the uh, the text to speech bot working. Yeah. Oh my god. Hey. Yeah. What the fuck? Why haven't you done that? Uh, I'm having weird problems with the Microsoft uh, excuses, excuses. All right. Anyway, um, so one way you could define free will is that um, a human being is literally capable of performing any action in a situation that they have access to, which um, I think is definitely incompatible with determinism. Um. Another way you might define it is that to have free will is to act according to your greatest impulse, which I think is compatible with determinism. Um, but I don't think that this should necessarily construe me as a determinist, because or sorry, not as a determinist, as a compatibilist, because I think that ultimately the difference between this kind of compatibilism and incompatibilism is, like, trivial. Like, like, it's just a word game. Yeah. Um, A language Um, game, you might say. (laughs) (laughs) Which position you take, which which position, which definition you take doesn't really have an influence, in my opinion, on moral philosophy and the role of responsibility in it. Um, Hmm. As for the role of responsibility in my own moral philosophy, um... I am a very strong, um, I'm a very strong consequentialist. Um, hate mentioned last time, uh, what do you call it? Um, fuck. Or was it hate that mentioned this? It might not. It's entirely uh, possible. Preference utilitarianism. Oh, yeah, that is me, yeah. Yeah, okay. Preference, preference utilitarianism felt like something which really solidified my moral intuitions about how a consequentialist system should work, and I'm really partial towards it, but I haven't thought through all of the possible things that it could mean, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very much leaning in that direction, and from that perspective, from a perspective, or sorry, from a preference utilitarian perspective, it seems really simple to me that responsibility doesn't need... I think we actually talked about this earlier in this... way earlier, that um, it doesn't really matter whether or not somebody... whether or not you can yell at somebody for something being their fault. What matters is that if somebody does something which causes substantial... Decre- causes a substantial decrease in the overall satisfaction of preferences, you can reasonably take some sort of action which is intended to decrease the probability that it'll do that in the future, and that's only an okay thing to do 
if taking that action is itself, if that action itself doesn't cause a lot more depletion of preference satisfaction, if that makes sense, right? Like, like if, for instance, if you fucking tortured somebody every time they st- stole bread, people wouldn't steal bread very much. Um, but I think that I think that probably the amount of harm that gets done by all the bread stealing in the world isn't worth that. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very straightforward line of logic. Um, this does mean, though, this does mean that most of the time, when possible, it is preferable to take a less punishment-oriented approach to getting people not to do crimes or even just to do morally negative actions at all um, simply because if you can get somebody not to do something that is immoral without punishing them then you've done better overall than if you had achieved the same end by punishing them Yeah, all right. That, that feels yeah. that feels pretty. That feels like a pretty satisfactory explanation. That makes sense. All right. Cool, man. Uh, cool. Who is next? Hate nine. Cool. We're oh my that. gosh, I just oh, got right. it because it's like seven hate nine, like hate eight. Oh my god. Yes, that's definitely it. One hundred percent. It's nothing to do with it. It's there is no connection. <laughs> Wait, are you being sarcastic or not? No, I'm being entirely legitimate. There's no connection. Wait, really? That's, that's entirely... Yeah, no. <laughs> Congratulations, you just found a pun that was not there. Oh. <laughs> no, the pun yeah. is there. She created it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fucking death of the author. The pun is there. <laughs> death of the author. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I think I think in terms of moral responsibility... What oh, wait, wait, I'm so sorry. This has of... been bugging me, but your little, like, profile picture, like, what is that? Um, it's a smile with a sine wave instead of a teeth line. Oh, okay. Just wondering. Fucking, that ain't no sine wave. That's that's composite of several sine waves. Sorry, not a sine. Sorry, not a sine wave. You're right. Uh, an audio, <laughs> an audio representative, a representation. Inter- I forgot what that's called, but yeah. I don't know. There's a term for it. I don't know. Um, anyway, give some. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so in terms of moral responsibility, what matters for Free will, like uh, in in respect to free will, waveform uh, is what waveform. Yes, waveform. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, is whether or not an entity's future decisions can be impacted by social intervention in terms of punishment or uh, or like therapy or or even just someone talking to them, right? What matters is whether or not your whether or not your future actions can be uh, impacted in that way. Like for instance. Um, if someone is just fully insane in terms of that, like that, and they're like, I don't, I don't know if there's a mental illness or caught up or, well, there's certainly some form of brain damage that could cause this. Um, but like, so just a person just, just wants to murder people. That That's it. You're not going to successfully punish them in such a way that's going to impact their, uh, that that's going to change that. Whereas for most, or, or for like this, uh, an animal, right? You can't, um, a lion, for instance, right? It, you're not going to, 
you're probably not going to punish it in such a way or, or, or teach it in such a way that it's not going to want to eat people. Um, so you wouldn't consider it a moral agent. Uh, and you wouldn't consider it to have free will in a way that matters for that. Um, whereas for most people, realistically, you can change their circumstances or, or, or cause some form of social intervention, which will prevent them from uh, uh, committing crimes that they uh, or immoral acts that they previously had. Okay. So that so that's my stance on on uh, the way in which free will matters for uh, for. Uh, for moral responsibility. Um. Okay, so out of curiosity, then this is this is slight. This is like ever so slightly off topic, but like, what Go then ahead. would be an appropriate response to? What would be an appropriate response to just the murder brain? Hmm? To the murder brain, um, either in prison or 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 uh, execution, either one. Um, yeah, like, probably uh, execution. Actually, indefinite imprisonment is. Uh, generally worse for a person than just fucking dying, honestly. Um, hmm. uh, it, se- it seems like if they're still uh, in capable... Term, sorry, in terms, of, in terms of cost and in terms of, uh, of damage yeah. to, the, to them. Are, are they... If, if they're the capable of expressing okay, their own so preferences, you'd at least have to weigh it, right? Yeah. No, I don't think you should weigh it. Because if your primary problem is that infinite imprisonment does more damage to a person than execution would, then shouldn't you leave it to the choice of the person if they want to be executed or if they want to be indefinitely imprisoned? Um, I think you could, but I think realistically, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think if you give them indefinite imprisonment with the, uh, with the, uh, with always with the option of just being executed, um, then that is better in terms of like just for them, but also the resources that it takes to to imprison them for that long are I not feel like using them up in the current system works. it's actually cheaper to indefinitely imprison someone than to administer execution to them because oh, yeah, of how we do that. execution okay so really? the first step the Jeez, first is step is expensive true, to execute them holy shit it is i, I, I forgot about that true. he's right how, how that wait why is it so expensive wait, i always assumed wait, yeah, it was some sorry, kind of what? i thought it was expensive i'm under the impression that it's hey, not wait, expensive. i'm just gonna I, just look for the numbers and i thought it was like be, probably do. because of like the administration this is my just a guess i have no justification for this belief at all just that it was like the administrative issue and difficulty of actually getting someone executed and like all of the time and energy spent on making the execution happen is why it costs more i have no no idea if that's true. I totally could be full of shit, but it just doesn't make sense to me that just pop in a couple drugs. That's into like the system. actual process, yeah. Yeah, the, the actual, actual death. Be that but 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 the, but because of the bureaucracy of our current criminal justice system, yeah. it could be more expensive. Um, I can see that. Yeah, and I'm not talking about specifically for our justice system. I'm speaking in the abstract. Okay, uh, like you're talking in the abstract because you're we're talking about like a cost-benefit analysis. For reference, for reference, the national average is just under nine years for an execution. That's how long someone's on wait. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And the alternative would be that people would, like, protest and rebel because if it's anywhere shorter than nine years for a lot of cases, then you'd have a way higher chance of, like, executing innocent people. You also have that if you li- you also have the very weird nuanced fact that if you live in a state where you give your state power over the life and death of people um, in that very very explicit legal way, 
that might be something that makes a lot of people unhappy, which also has to be rolled in. Mm. And technically, true. all states have uh, oh, yeah, life definitely. and death of our citizens, just not in courtrooms, specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still, um, still. Yeah. Um, but in either in either case, I think yeah, the 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 appropriate response is either indefinite prison imprisonment uh, or death for 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 murder brain. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Or fixing it if that's a possibility, but then that you, but then that becomes. How do you determine whether someone's brain and decision making is isn't isn't worth existing anymore? I don't know. This is a philosophy um, experiment. Yeah, yeah okay. this is this is a philosophical experiment. I'm not sure if you can determine that. I'm not saying this is a practical uh, assessment. Um, What's the use if you it can't might be, be practical? A, hmm? um, generally speaking, uh, because we're talking about I what know, matters just, for moral responsibility. I'm just, uh, and it has it has like the way you think about it, it has consequences. That's just one of them. Mm-hmm. Is but the like, murder brain? I don't here's think. Here's the thing really, about the murder brain, though. Realistically, cause... the actual the actual consequences for the murder brain are how we treat creatures that don't that that we already know don't that. Like it's not for how we treat humans. It's how we treat animals with murder brain. I can't wait till I because go. Because we just I can't them. Wait till I go. Well, I can't wait. kill or imprison. Guy Realistically, so mostly we imprison them. I'm so excited for when I go. Uh, I mean, if you if you talk about lions, for example, we can actually like, I mean, it's not perfect, but we can actually like uh, aim lions to an extent. Like, for yes. example, if if an animal has rabies, for example, if there's like a huge bear with rabies, we just shoot it. We don't care that it doesn't have more responsibility. We don't care that it's not being malicious. Yeah, it's just an effective... Yeah, well, no, because... It, at all. Well, uh, well, no, in, exactly. It, a bear with rabies is murder brain, just straight up, right? Yeah, yeah. That's unless we find a way to cure murder... Unless we find a way to cure rabies, but I don't think... Can we start brain. calling rabies murder yeah. brain? <laughs> yes, can we please? <laughs> that's perfect, actually. <laughs> well, because rabies is murder brain. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's everything. Unless anyone has any any more comments on that, uh, we can move on. I to just happy cannot wait until it's my turn and I get to say my things. But I, now that I'm hyping it up, I know everybody's going to be disappointed. But that's okay. I actually want to. I want to quickly add something to mine. Oh, oh my God! Do you ever shut oh. up? I'm sorry. I'm just yeah, kidding. Know, right? <laughs> um, okay, I do want to say that um, a lot of a lot of non-consequentialist moral systems that take responsibility into account in terms of how to handle these kinds of things, they do, they have a hard time dealing with animals because I can't they, wait. they kind of presuppose themselves I can't on wait to tell you humans mine. having, like, <laughs> they presuppose themselves on like humans having one. rational thought and then it's like, how the fuck do you handle animals then? Um, this one handles it really nicely. You just do stuff based on what you understand the consequences to be. All right. So, happy cats. I think Samia and I agree on most things. Happy cats? Are you a happy cat? Happy cats? Happy cats. Do you want... He posted a voice text. Ah, I think our will is determined by everything we've experienced and just determined. But Uh, to uh, ourselves, we 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 still have to justify ourselves to fit that. So we still have moral responsibility in a way. The justice system also makes sense just for our society to work. However, leaving all that aside, I don't think we should blame uh, anybody for anything. There is no evil and no good because everything is justified in the subject perspective. 
Hardcore determinism. <laughs> Damn. Hardcore. Mm. I guess I guess blame what? everybody so still is different. We have moral. We still internally have moral responsibility, but we can't uh, apply it to other people. And we I guess have, to have a justice system to prevent bad things from happening. She said. Yeah, uh, he cool. said. Uh, yeah. I would have an issue with that, but I'll leave, uh, let the Freedom Baby say uh, say it first. Okay. Say say my stuff first. Okay. No, 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 not your stuff. Your opinion of Happy Cats. Oh, I mean, I, I was going to say, I think that, um, like, it's just a totally, justice system is just about getting uh, the desired effect of, like, a stable society. It does it has no relation to morality. It's just a means to an end, basically. That's what he said as well. It's just for our society to work. Yeah. It's not bring morality. Yeah. No, like, my issue with what he said, so, like, for me, it seemed internally consistent up to the very last sentence. Just there is no evil and no good because everything is justified in the subject's perspective. People do things that they personally think is immoral all the time. Mm -hmm. That's true. We say that every villain is a hero in their own story, but that's not always the case. It's just usually the case. Yeah, most people most people think of themselves as good, but lots of people don't think of themselves as good. Even though most people think so, think of themselves as good, even most people wouldn't say that all their individual actions are good. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the times you will think of something you did and be like, oh shit, I fucked up. I justifying it to yourself. Happy Cat says, but then they still have some kind of reason for why they did yeah, but that they reason did. is not necessarily a moral reason. Yeah, it's an inclination, a desire. Yeah, they they can still do things for reasons that they that they don't consider to be moral, mm-hmm. like like a lot of gay religious people. Oh my god! <laughs> um, Happy cats. Do you have any more more to say? You were typing and then you stopped. Nope. I'm just gonna assume that's a no. I'm gonna take the silence. Right. As an, oh, oh no no no! Uh, Happy cat is Happy wait, cat wait, is wait, no. <laughs> no. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Peter, it's your turn. Okay, so I think I'm going to kind of go and go and read some of what I wrote. Um, and forgive me because I'm, I'm reading. I'm just going to read it all. And it, I think it sums up my thoughts, but, um, I may have to go back. So it's, so it's this, so I'll just read, uh, uh, to me, free will is not about having complete autonomy of choice. I mean, I would ask you this question, if we don't have free will, what does it mean to truly have free will? My answer is, free will is a concept we created to describe our human experience, the experience of feeling like we choose one thing over the other in a given situation. Free will requires that, one, we have certain options given to us, which is outside of our control, and two, we have certain preferences which are, again, outside of our control. The fact that our options and preferences are determined by our environment does nothing to change the fact that we have evaluate the options and pick the one we determine to fit our preferences, to best fit our preferences. And then later on, um, like then uh, the response to me was like, okay, but we arguing about uh, responsibility for our own actions or having a choice in them. Um, so like do the options given to us and the preferences we have totally determine our choices? Probably, but it doesn't matter because it feels like we have a choice even if a supercomputer with all information about reality could predict every choice we'd make. Um, and so then I'm just going to go back to the main thing that I said that was kind of long. Um, 
Um, let me see here. So uh, the question is like about whether we have responsibility for our actions. The example was brought up of a person who had a brain tumor and then got really violent and it was discovered it was because of the brain tumor that he was violent. Um, is he responsible for his actions? So do people have responsibility? And so I guess I'm a, this is me. I guess I'm a bit of an all or nothing person because all our choices are in a sense predetermined since our mind is a product of material material reality, which is just an endless chain of cause and effect that could theoretically pr be predicted by a sufficiently powerful computer with sufficient information. At least that's how I see it. We either have responsibility for all our actions or none of them. That is to say, there's no point where the relative difficulty of avoiding a given action suddenly makes that action not the individual's fault. Or rather, any point at which we decide that it's a person's fault versus not their fault would be arbitrarily determined. I think it's nonsense to act as if we have no control over any of our actions and are therefore not responsible for our choices. So I choose to act as if we are responsible for everything we do. Now, there is an issue with the definition of responsibility here. I don't think of responsibility as meaning we could have avoided the end result. I think of it more abstractly as we are responsible for all our actions, not because we could have done otherwise, but because we are the one who did whatever we did. Responsibility is just a given fact of our existence. We are, by my definition, responsible for everything we do, every choice we make, no matter what drove us to make that choice or take that course of action. Yet again, I'd like to reiterate that responsibility doesn't mean that people should all be punished if they do something wrong. I think it's important to respond to somebody doing something fucked up by appropriate addressing the reality of the situation. In the brain tumor instance, for example, the most effective way to deal with the issue is to remove the brain tumor, not throw him in jail or give him 40 lashes. Incidentally, I also believe it is condescending to say that someone isn't responsible for their own actions. Even if I am driven by mad compulsion to do something horrible, I am still responsible when I end up doing that thing. To say that people are not responsible for their actions, even those with mental or emotional issues that may be affecting their behavior, ultimately dehumanizes them and removes them of their agency. I hope that was intelligible. Um, could you repeat the last bit, actually? Uh, incidentally, I also believe it is condescending to say that someone isn't responsible for their own actions. Even if I am driven by mad compulsion to do something horrible, I am still responsible when I end up doing that thing. To say that people are not responsible responsible for their actions, even those with mental or emotional issues that may be affecting their behavior, ultimately dehumanizes them and removes them of their agency. Getting your precise definition of responsibility, I didn't feel like I got that. Huh? Right. Are, are you talking about like internal responsibility, or like, uh, or like how we treat them? Uh, internal responsibility. Stuff? How we treat them from an external perspective is totally based on practicality. It's totally a utilitarian okay, cool. calculation of what makes the most sense. Like, yeah. totally. Okay. I think I entirely agree with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. That's neat. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I, I entirely just agree with you on that. That is also my stance, although I mostly went for the external perspective and you mostly uh, went yeah. for the external perspective. I, I've, never, I've never thought of think. I've never considered thinking about will and responsibility in those ways exactly. Those are interesting. Guys, can I be super honest with you? I was like yeah, super fucking stoned when I wrote that. Like super fucking stoned. <laughs> nice. Oh. Well, that's good because it's stoner brain moral philosophy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I had those ideas for a long time. It's just I'm proud of myself for actually not being incomprehensible. Uh, yeah. No, that was that was mostly co mostly entirely coherent. Mostly entirely. Mostly entirely. <laughs> <laughs> that well, from from 
from my memory of your words when you spoke them, it was entirely coherent. Yeah. Um, maybe it would be less so if I read it, but. And actually, I did have some responses that I haven't gotten back to about that shit, which I have to do because they're like, mm. basically, that the definition of responsibility is useless, which I don't know. Maybe. I mean, from an external perspective, yeah. But, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's not what you're talking I, about. That's talking about how you yourself treat your actions. I think as a method of thinking about your own actions, I do think that that is a very interesting framework. Um... I, I do think it might actually still sometimes be valuable to think about the internal idea of responsibility from an external perspective, because that pushes you to change your environment to change your own actions, you know? Mm. Yeah, on a practical level, yeah. I, yeah? That makes sense. Well, I think part of the, the, the your responsibility doesn't mean you discount the impact of your environment on how difficult it is to do what you want to do. Um, you still have to take into account the material conditions that I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't even really know that much. I just, it's just, I just, I don't even I really know. Really it's it's, my part. <laughs> it's uh, a phrase that just comes up all the time. Out of context. <laughs> material conditions. Um, but, uh, I do think that, um, what it means is even if you, um, even if, like I said, like even if I was driven by mad compulsion to do something really fucking horrible, um, when I followed through on that, even though it's totally understandable that I didn't, like, I, I lost control, I am still going to view myself as responsible for that action because, like, ultimately I still did it. Like, I shouldn't hate myself because of that. Like feeling responsible for doing something bad doesn't mean you should hate yourself or condemn yourself. It just means you are aware that you still at the end of the day were the one who did it. And it's still on you at the end of the day. Um, it doesn't mean you shouldn't take action to correct the situation so you are less likely to do those things in the future. Um, it doesn't mean you have absolute control over your behavior. Um, you know. Here, here's a question. Um, in what way, like, was an example of an action that I would do, given this perspective on responsibility, which I would not do if my perspective was 100% practical? I... Is this even about changing your actions, though? I'm pretty sure it's about, like, how you treat your actions that you have taken. I think what it does is it's a way of thinking about your actions so that you don't blame it on society, if that makes sense. And just, it's so, it's a, it's a, it's a tool for you to empower yourself to overcome any impulses or, um, constraints on your behavior. Um, that's how I would respond. Does that make sense? Oh, 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 okay. So the point, the point is to have a consequence-driven idea of is to have a consequence-driven idea of what to do, while also not abandoning the perspective that you, while also not abandoning the perspective that you have the ability, in some abstract way to affect what actions you take. 
my brain went on a loop-de-loop while you talked. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my, my, mine did for a sec, too. Um, so did mine. Uh, <laughs> it, it, okay, it's a, it's a way of... Oh, and it, cry a liberal it, can't hear anything. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Cryo, can you, can you now? Not, or you're, you're deafened, so I'm not... Yeah, you're muted yourself. Okay. You're deafened yeah, now. I mean, Cryo wasn't talking anyway, but yeah, you are also... Okay. Oh, wait, so it, um, I should say that in text because they are yeah. deafened. So is what... Is, oh, Hello? Oh, is he back? Uh, okay. Oh no! You're you are unmuted now. Can you hear us? No, but you turn in green, but yeah. we don't hear anything from. Well, that could just be like, uh, th- that that's not particularly abnormal, actually. Um, oh. yeah, Discord could just do that if if your if your sensitivity is set all the way uh all the way up on on Discord. It uh. Oh, does it? Okay, yeah. Interesting. Oh no. Just when it was getting good. Um, are there any other troubleshooting things that can be done? Um, check your output device on your voice settings. Yeah. Because sometimes it, because sometimes when you plug something in and it like, it's like, oh, I'm going to output through this mic. (laughs) Mine does that. Oh yeah, I fucking, ugh. Yeah, because when I right. I have a bunch of different things hooked up to my computer, and sometimes it messes stuff up. Yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. Yo, I've been having issues with, like, Discord. Like, even if I'm connected to the internet, it's on my phone. It's primarily the issues on my phone. It's just, like, it just, like, it just has trouble loading shit sometimes. Like, I don't know... Mm. Why? I don't know what it is. Like this. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Actually, yeah, it's it's weird about that. All right. I don't know. We may have um, to give up on crying. Bumber, 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 bumber. Hello. Well, just hello? go ahead. Just go ahead. Hello? Okay. Okay. Oh wait. Oh. No. Who said hello? I don't know. Not me. Uh, okay. Yeah, so anyway. Anyway, what what I wanted to say was um, so is is this? Sorry. I, I just reset voice settings and it's back to oh, me. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So, so, is what, so fucking, is what you're trying to say, Freedom, that, uh, it's a way of thinking about action, thinking about actions from a perspective, uh, thinking about choices from a consequence driven perspective while also not ignoring the second order effect your attitudes about your actions can have on your actions? I, so the second part is true, like, your attitudes have an effect on your actions. I'm not sure what you mean by is it still a consequentialist-driven perspective? Like, I don't know what you mean by that. Well, I mean, you you said pretty... Yeah, consequence-driven. Oh, consequence-driven, sorry, sorry. Um, I mean, I don't know if... The reason I think about this is for the purpose of like getting the best consequences. Um, I think I do it because, like I said, you know, I think like when you, when you say that people sometimes aren't responsible for their actions, it's sort of, I said like it ultimately dehumanizes them and removes them of their agency or treats them as if you don't have agency. Like I just don't like thinking of people that way. 
I don't think that's mm. a good way to think of people. I mean, I think that totally mm. fucks up everything about moral responsibility because then like sometimes you aren't responsible for your actions if it's hard enough. Like, no, you should always be responsible for your actions. That's just how it is. That's how it should be. That's how we should think uh, about it. Highly debatable. And, highly debatable. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's debatable. I'm just saying that's how, how I think of it. Mm. Right. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and, and yet again, and I, I preface at least internally that makes sense. I'm not sure if, yeah. if that would if I would apply that to other people, but at least I would say that internally that someone. makes the least sense actually. I but just I'm, wanted I'm, to say I'm, also though, I, I yet again, I'm a bit of an all or nothing kind of person. I'm a bit of a yeah, purist. Yeah. So you either have complete responsibility or you have none. I agree it's not with the that. part that I said doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that's the part you said doesn't make sense. I'm just I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, what what do you mean by that? That doesn't make sense internally. Then, right. okay. So, me like, I I think I'm missing something. I don't think you're wrong, Eva. I think I'm actually missing something because like, you said that your view is not consequence driven, but on the other hand, you said that, uh, not saying that uh, like everything someone does is that person's responsibility is bad because. It robs them of agency. But robbing them of agency is a consequence. I think well, okay, I'm guess like, what, I, what I mean when I say that isn't that it like actually takes away their ability to choose, but treats them as if they are not, they are incapable of choosing. It treats them, and maybe the phrasing is bad there, but it's like treating someone like a child, like, oh, they don't know any better. No. Well, I don't know. I mean, if, that's That's what I meant. If the list of... If either the list of preferences you have or the list of options you have is whittled down to yeah, yeah if the if the list of options that align with your preferences is whittled down to one, I think it does make sense. It's never whittled down to one though. I, I, ever I mean, guys, 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 ever hear of radical freedom? Is that what it is? Is it Sartre? Is that Sartre? Radical freedom. I don't know. It's Sartre. Uh, but like, yeah, his idea, I think, is it radical freedom, you guys? Is that? Uh, yeah, that's radical freedom. Yeah. (laughs) Where like, you are literally always free. And I mean, I, I subscribe to that. Like, I think that makes sense to me. Yeah, you are. I, I suppose. And so that's why you're always responsible for all of your actions. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, but I would, I would also say that you, with a with a brain tumor that causes you to go murder someone, isn't the same person as you once um, that brain tumor is removed. I mean, it is the same person. It's just maybe not the way you think of yourself or would like well, to think that of depend- yourself. That depends but on that how brain you consider tumor, identity. That to brain work. tumor is a part of you. And like you can choose to remove it to change yourself, but the fact that, that brain you tumor is a part of the physical entity which it, and it which and the is way identified as the you. way it affects your mind is you like you like when you take a substance and you get high or drunk like yes you act differently than you do sober but that is still a part of you. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that it would. I think that if it was exactly the same thing, except instead of a brain tumor, it was a helmet you put on. I think you wouldn't be saying that it was part of you. Um. No, I think no. She said about drugs. I think so. I think that's. I think that. I think it would be. Yeah, it would still be you because it'd still be you ultimately put on that helmet, right? Yeah, but see, there's the thing that I consider to be different, which is that the brain tumor isn't something you did. The brain tumor is something that. Well, yeah, but but every but everything, like like the example, like 
the, the way you've been taught and raised, the, the, the information you have, all of that isn't something you do. It's something that happens to you that informs your decision. Everything about yes. you doesn't come from you originally. Um, and it's just, we just, we just get this unsettling feeling when it seems more like an obvious interference than when it's a more subtle, like, so, interference of, like, education or, or, or culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's all so the it, same, same idea, though. It, it seems like the clear conclusion from everything that you do not being of you particularly, mm-hmm. me, that means that the completely logical conclusion from that is that responsibility is a meaningless construct. But but the thing with the thing with like what uh with like your environment changing you in terms of like your education or your family or something that's like that's in different. A, in a much more real right. it's it's in a much more real sense permanent than the brain tumor which is a temporary and sudden uh, the brain change, tumor is right? only like first I mean I think temporariness and suddenness don't change the fact of any it doesn't change it at all it's just like by the way i vote sorry i vote that we that we stop referring to it as a, as brain tumor and start referring to it as sudden onset murder brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i i i think no matter what the quality of the change is to yourself no matter how that change goes about if you are the same you know individual it doesn't matter. You're, but you're still are you the same individual? Yes, be- yes, because how- well, because the indi- but an ace of an individual is the continuity, right, of the material, right, but physical the continu- being. But there is then suddenly a discontinuity in how that in how you are making your decisions that doesn't make sense even in. It doesn't matter uh, from from a previous. Per- I mean, I guess maybe I'm a materialist, no, but I no think that the individual, you know, uh, biological sack of meat that you are um that is you right is it yeah i mean that really depends on how you construct that identity you're indistinguishable from your physical body i don't know you you could you could make that claim but you could also pretty easily make the claim that you can't meaningfully construct the boundaries of yourself you can't. Uh, you, 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 I mean, yeah, you can. You can also make that claim as well. But I think um, I'm going to be very practical here and just say there is a very pretty clearly definable. Well, you you can make you can make like weird. I mean, I suppose to be perfectly fair, identity is is an illusion that we create. So like, we are sort okay. of just losing ourselves I, in that. This, this is an important point that identity is ultimately. It is ultimately like an abstract idea that exists in the subject. Well, it is, it is, our identity is something we just, we are. We construct. Well, well, it's an inescapable fact of our existence is that we give our, we have some kind of identity. And when I, and it can be very undefined. It can just be raw experience, but it can also be, you know, the, like the uh, culmination you know, of all your memories and current experiences together. I mean, although that, we are speaking in general because ego death, ego death is a thing. Dude. But okay. Like, I'm sorry. Normally, but like, normally. that is just another experience of a single identity. It just feels like your ego is dead. It's just, it's just an emotional feeling. Kind no, of aren't there also like brain conditions that can cause yeah, that? Can. And that's a sensation. Yeah, no, that's... And that's a sensation that you have a feeling of loss of identity, a feeling of ego death. It's just a feeling. 
It doesn't mean anything concrete that's about that reality. Actual, that's not to say that actual ego death is, is impossible. The fact of the matter is that you're, you're just... The way ego you're death doesn't identity, even make sense. It doesn't make sense. Wait. Because of the way you're defining identity, sure. Yeah, no, the thing is, the thing is... Um, from in the, the sense that we ex- internally experience identity, it makes perfect sense that you can experience ego death. Uh, sure. In the sense that... Un- in, as in undergo ego death, as in have yeah. that be a state that you are in, sure. not, just, not just in the experience. You're right. You're right that there would be a feeling of the process occurring, but then there would be no feeling after that because there would be no subject upon which it would occur. Does that make sense? I got distracted by something on my desk. Goddamn! Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you're, you're right. You're right that. Um, it, there would be a feeling of the process occurring, but after the process of ego death had completed, there would just be no subject upon which it could occur, right? There would still be a subject. You just not if there was no internal conception of self. Yeah, right? but but I, yeah. I guess have you guys okay no has have you guys experienced actual ego death? No. Hopefully, no. Yeah, so then I don't know why you can speak on it, because it's it just sounds Um, like a made-up thing. And people describe a certain experience they have on psychedelics as ego death, um, but it is... Right. I'm not... Sorry, let's clarify. I'm not talking about the psychedelic term of ego death. I don't know if that qualifies. What I'm saying is you could probably modify a person in such a way that they no longer have have an identity in that sense, and their ego is in that sense dead. Let's let's uh, try to bring this back. Maybe uh, maybe we oh, yeah. should. Yeah, maybe we should. I, I'm not saying the point is invalid, but I, I don't know how to pull it back in. There's so much news to make. Cryo has to talk someday. Yes. Yeah, we should maybe let Cryo actually. Let's let Cryo. Talk. No, no, I, I didn't want to like re like the opposite of derail is what re-rail? I didn't want to re-rail the conversation because I would be biased and waiting for my turn. But I was waiting for someone else to say, let's go back to the <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Yep. All right. Fair. Yeah, re-rail it, Cryo. Until we all decide. Yeah. All right. So Re-engage this conversation. Engaged. Okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. Okay, go on. No, I'm, I'm, we were just I'm laughing. We were just laughing. Okay, my bad. Uh, so basically, um, myself, I would consider myself pretty much a hard determinist in the sense that we described initially. And I'll tie it to responsibility, like, eventually, because the thing is, I don't see responsibility as something that, by the way, how do you, like, manage responsibility in the, in the context of determinism? I actually have responsibility as something that I describe from determinism. So initially what I would say about free will is that all of our decisions are culminations of previous arc of chains of events that couldn't have gone any other way. And despite the fact that we have feelings that we are being free, that is like a function of the hardware that we use in order to act upon the world. It's basically like we are living within physics, not without of it. And because we're living within physics and physics is deterministic, Therefore, our mind processes, which are physical processes, are deterministic. And that includes the processes that allow us to observe our own self, as in qualia, as well as our motivation factors and our sense of agency. 
Just not to say that any of those things don't exist. I do think humans have will. I do think humans have agency. But I don't ascribe the word free to any of them in any capacity. Going to like moral responsibility, the way I would talk about responsibility is in the following way. It is useful to say that humans have responsibility for their actions because their actions are predetermined. What I mean by this is, if you know that people's actions are wholly and indistinctly defined and determined by conditions that led to that action, then you know that by changing those conditions, you can change things about the person's behavior. And that is where responsibility comes in. And uh, in order to talk about both like internal and external responsibility, so it, actually in my language, we have different words for that. So we have responsabilitate, which is internal responsibility. The idea that you feel like you should own your own actions. And to me here, it's not actually completely clear whether something is definable as your own or not. I'm not talking about like altered state of mind or, or things like that, but like, for example, you're sleeping, someone trips over you, they fall to their death. When you wake up, should you feel like that's your fault? Things like that. Or, uh, for example, you bring someone a glass of wine that you poured from a bottle that you were safe for seconds ago. Someone put poison in that bottle, and then someone just asks you to bring them the wine. Like, you're not the one responsible for, like, you're not like a royal tester, and then you give that bottle to someone and they die. In those situations, I would feel like it's not practical to ascribe blame to yourself, to feel like you own the action. And you're not a victim of consequences, but you're not like fully informed actor either. However, in the example of like the, the murder brain, I would sort of ascribe responsibility even more, which is kind of weird, I guess. Anyway... And like, uh, then there is like external responsibility for which we don't use the word responsabilitate, we use the word respondere. And that is like sanctions can be brought to you for a particular action. And you have to think about the second order effects of having people be aware beforehand of what that does. And to me, this is not a completely separate subject. It's not just Oh, like, we want society to be functional, so we have those, like, ideas of external responsibility that people are aware of. No, for me, that is, like, part of how we modify the inner flow of an individual. Because, again, we know that the inner flow of an individual, or rather, in my system, I know that the inner flow of an individual is nothing but outside influence, therefore... We know that modifying outside influence modifies behavior. Therefore, responsibility is a useful concept. Tell it wise. Hmm. So responsibility to you is just a piece of... It's just an idea which can be utilized in order to... Well, like, in order for me, responsibility to, exists because our, our, our actions are termination of material conditions. And one of those material conditions is how we think about the concept of blame. How we think about the concept okay, of blame. Okay, okay, Got it, got it, got it. I think it might be useful to say material factors since material conditions does have some other meanings because yeah. communism. 
All right. Okay. So they are, I, so I they are connected well. to it. I, I find... I, I don't think I'm talking outside of a Marxist area here, actually. <laughs> oh, fair enough, then. Okay, if, if you actually mean material saying, conditions, then fair I'm enough. I'm not saying the second, I'm probably saying both. Uh, uh, okay, real quick. Um, can, I've heard, I have heard people use the word sanction both to describe endorsing something and decrying it. What does it mean? Uh, <laughs> oh, both. both. Yeah, I think yeah. Oh, you can use it in both terms, like there's positive sanctions and negative sanctions. Yeah. In uh, both cases, they create responsibility because... You can, you can have sanctions for or against something. Uh, like, okay, you can feel it. a responsibility in favor of yourself to do something. For example, I feel responsible to work harder in order to make my life better. I, uh, I, might, I might sanction uh, charity and, and sanction against murder, right? Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's mostly a context thing. Okay, okay. I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy there. Yeah. Oh, no problem. It's mm -hmm. No, don't worry, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Don't worry, I am, but I'll be fine. Well, guys, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have to think about next week. I know... I know Milcom really wants us to focus, to continue with Kant, but I don't know. I think we should switch to something else for now, although we should definitely circle back to Kant. Yeah, I agree. Um, Let's take a substantial chunk of break. <laughs> yeah. So, what did, did we also, have? Uh, also, Milcom isn't in this conversation right now, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, he's, he, I, I think the, the academic perspective is important. But oh, very much so. Very much. Um, it's a different perspective, yeah. you know. Um, okay, so what do we want to do? Any thoughts? How do we feel yeah. about Wittgenstein? I'm down. Yeah. yeah. I'm down. Oh hell yeah! Hell <laughs> yeah! Okay, but we have Happy to get drink soda. How do you feel about Wittgenstein? They don't drink soda. They just they drink soda drink. Oh. Soda dream. Yeah. Soda drink. Wait, soda dream or soda drink? Soda, soda dream. dream. Oh, is it soda dream? Oh shit! I thought it was soda drink. Shit. Cool. Okay. I misremembered it. Well. All right. I got happy caps with AFK. All right. Okay. So oh. I think so. The thing with Wittgenstein is like philosophical okay. investigations is huge. There's one rule. There's one rule. If somebody says. Wittgenstein, we ban them. Yes. They approve. Immediately and permanently. No, yes. no, guys. No, no. No, no. We correct them, and then if they do it again, we ban them. No banning. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it would take for, to, for me to ban somebody. <laughs> um, honestly, the thing that it would take for you to ban somebody would probably be us agreeing to ban someone. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yes, that's exactly yeah. it. That's yeah. actually exactly it. Um... But we're yeah. kind of Damn. doing that right now when yeah. saying all of the, people should We don't have to, we don't have, to have everyone agree, but either everyone in the call, if it's during a call, or everyone uh, with Dagny Taggart or higher um, otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who didn't just come yeah. in. I'm so, yeah. I'm so annoyed at all these people. Like, some people join, and then they just don't even, like, 
participate? They don't do shit. Like, what they the fuck? Like, talk. why do you... I mean, it's fine. It's like, totally fine. I don't talk in text chat much, but, like, fucking people who don't talk in text chat or, like, or do the, the voice chat or just do anything at all. Yeah. Like, goddamn... It's sad. Also, it makes me um, sad because I, I, you think there's so many people who might be interested, and then they're, it's just like bummer. Like, I'm sad. There's a, there's a vote to ban me. Let's go. I. Democracy at work. Uh, yep. I. Fucking. I say. <laughs> we can't. No, I. I don't think we vote. I don't think we need to ban you. I think we need to vote. We need to ban Kant part uh, uh, puns just entirely. <laughs> Guys, you I'll should. I'll Um. <laughs> um, just really awful okay but um, back to the reading um the thing is so yeah. philosophical investigations is obviously my fave and obviously what i'm familiar with and obviously i would love 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 to do it but it's huge and part of me wants to also read tractatus and that's shorter how do you guys feel about it i've never read it though so i would literally this would be the first time we're going in blind with at least nobody who obviously has read it before like maybe there's somebody who would show up who has maybe read it. maybe milkham uh, has it milkham's never here so I think I think, I think Wittgenstein. So for me, it's an easy vote for Tractatus. I think Wittgenstein say, changed some of his opinions. Oh my gosh, Wittgenstein completely flipped. He literally wrote mm-hmm. the Tractatus to try to make a perfect language and whatever, and then he was like, "Wait, I'm fucking retarded. That's stupid. That isn't real." And then he made the philosophical investigations, which is like language is a game and blah blah blah. So. He, he, he completely was partially right both times, but no, he was right or the at second. Least partially time. right the second. He was at least partially right the second time. No, he was completely right the second time. Nah, okay. language is things. Other language isn't just language games. It's also to con- to just convey meaning. It's you know what? All... You know what, buddy, it's buddy, buddy, hate nine, buddy, hate nine, buddy yeah. guy, buddy friend <laughs> guy. A, <laughs> you know something, Mister Mister Hate Nine. We'll see yeah, how yeah. you feel about it after you read the investigations, because I'm telling you, it's a very compelling argument. Yeah, no, it it actually, we'll see. We'll see. It actually does seem like we should read the investigations and maybe like weave between the investigations and other things. Hmm. You know, that's not that's actually it's actually not a bad idea because the way the investigations is structured is it's just like a, a sequence of just like ideas and some of them flow from one to the next but sometimes it's just like okay we're thinking about a new thing and it's basically How like he, he he sort of says it's because like oh like i couldn't think of like a good way to make the ideas flow and this seem the most authentic but basically it just means he was too lazy to try and like construct a coherent essay but that's fine like it's totally makes sense like and it's really good like and i as, even though the ideas are really hard to comprehend, like it's really difficult and tricky, um, I think he he actually is as clear as he possibly can be with like the topic he's covering. Like he okay. does explain things really well. How how long how long is each piece? Uh, well, no, they're really um, short. I mean, it's so like each piece is oh shit, it's over. I don't have the the copy's not near my desk. It's I near mean, my bed. Um, it's apparently like six hundred pages long, uh, <laughs> according to Google. I mean, it's longer, yeah, but it's like the thing is the I, the hardcover but book it's I have. In it's like, yeah, I mean, well, oh, six hundred sections. I mean, yeah, here, let me. Just no, 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 I'll it's, be right no. Back. It's six hundred pages. I'll be right back. I'm just gonna go get sections. it. Um, All right. Uh, see, see, what if they be right back when somebody else was leaving? I'm big guy. Um, because you're bad. Yeah, because I'm big gay. Yeah, you are the big gay. Okay, so it is 
Like Hey, real quick, did you know that I'm the big guy? What? I'm the big guy. Okay. Okay, I just wanted you to know. Yeah. Right Thank on. you for yeah. sharing. I'm really glad I know that now. Okay, so um the actual book I have here, so it is um uh like so the the edition I have is it has both the German and the English and it is like 240 pages but it's half of that in length actually because the edition I have has like Jeez. so it's 100 cool. so it's like 120 pages right. and I can All show right, you what the, and it's it's not that bad but it's definitely something that like I think we will want to go through slow. I can show you a picture of like yeah. what the yeah. size of the text looks like. So you can see okay. like what the actual length looks like. I think it's definitely doable. I think oh, it's what doable. I'm going to have to yeah. go soon. Um, but can we, can we talk about time? Um, I yeah, think okay. so. I personally did not like the 1 PM time. It was a neither little, did I. It was not I, nice. I can't me. make it at 1 PM. Not even next week, not even next month. Yeah, what 1 p.m. is too early. Yeah. I think, I think it's two early. is two is fine. Um, I liked two. I think I also didn't notice that the time had changed. <laughs> yeah, we, we really need to like not do last minute time changes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was because oh. it can't be. It, I'm sorry. I, I think we need to leave it like a day, like be decided like a day before. But yeah, this is I what I remember like daylight savings time happened or something. But, no, no, I just didn't. I just didn't see the message. But anyways, guys, this is what like one page of text looks like. So it's like oh, 120. Oh, yeah. okay. I no, can that's, that's not even. That's not even particular. That's not super fire. Yeah, yeah, it's and, yeah, fun. and it's 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 good. Um, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm totally I, I'm totally fine with yeah. I was can't wait for that. How much do we want to break it up? Is the question. Um, I think okay. So, I think like the first. You know, actually, you know what would be a good idea? Let's go see if there are any uh, syllabi that have... Um, syllabi or, like, reading guides or something. Yeah, because that I, might... I, I am actually going to have to head out now, though. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, so we'll do 2 p.m. next Sunday. Day. We'll do 2 p.m. next Sunday. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Uh, happy cats. I, I just I tried to upload it and then my it didn't Come upload on. for some reason. So I have to go find the picture again because it didn't oh. save the picture. Because oh wait, there it is. Nice. There it is. You can see I like to write in my books. <laughs> um. That's that a lot of scribbly. Yeah. Yeah, you can actually see in the second one, you can see on the other page all the stuff I had written. I wrote a lot. It was very dense. I wrote lots in here. I'm so excited to go back and go through it again. Um, Sorry. So wait, are we just doing this one and we're just we're not going to do Tractatus? We're going to jump into investigations? That's fine with me. I'm yeah, fine with fine. that. Oh, hell yeah. That. Fuck yeah. Okay, so let's look up and see um, philosophical investigations syllabus. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, if they have a schedule of like the readings. Okay. So like the first session they have here, they read up through 43, uh, section, like, like, I don't know what to call it. Section 43, paragraph 43. Uh, it's not paragraphs exactly. Um, 
chunk, yeah. There's another word for it, actually. Um, so for me, that's, um, that's like, oh, wait, shit. Actually, oh, that was later on. It actually is 240 pages. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oops. How is it? Wait, because really? because because now that I'm looking at it, like the so like I I had just I had just gone to the end and like in the end notes like the pages were different like like each different page would have a different page number but like actually um, the actual pages with the text themselves the English and the German they both have there's like 25 and then 25 English and so it's actually um, only 240. It's like the pages you posted like yeah. one is 165 and one is 165. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay. Um, That's pretty long. Yeah, sorry. Um, but I mean, what does that That's change? Still not unworkably long. Yeah, so that makes me think we would. I mean, how do? Because like, I don't want to go through this too densely, but I also think like, I don't want it to take too long. Because um, so this, um, so this here actually, I should just share the link of the. Okay. I don't want to go too fast in this because I also want to find a PDF of this German English version and uh, use it to improve my German. Okay. So. Um, so that was like the link, and here is like um, another link of another syllabus that I found. I don't know if anybody. It seems like a good stopping point would be either forty, like somewhere in the forties, or somewhere in eighty-eight. 88, it's like a common stopping point. Both of these syllabi, like the first chunk they go up through four, like the one goes to 43, I think, uh, and the other one goes to 88, and then this one, both of them stop at 88 at, at some point. 88 may be a good stopping point. I don't know if that's too much, um, because mm. for that is that is page 46. So we could go up to pay. I mean, I mean, let's think. We calculate that's like if we do forty six, that's like a sixth of the text. So that would be six weeks. Hmm. All right. Why the fuck? Okay. Nothing. Never mind. Ignore me. So I don't know how you guys feel about it. Um, and I don't know, like, I would personally be fine with taking, like, six weeks for this one work. I'm, I don't know if most people would be fine. Like, we don't mm. have, a, like, a like a representative okay. chunk of the... I, 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 I think the main thing. problem, the, the main problem is as reading lengths go up, retention seems to be going significantly down. Um, last time we increased it, like, kind of. This time... Like, like, remember, 47 pages is, the like, almost the entire length of um, the thing we split up into two weeks before. I do think this is going to be easier than Kant. It's still hard. Um, I mean, but with the, the other thing is, if, we, if it starts to not work, we can always, like, either do something else and have this be a secondary thing for the people who are more interested, like... And and also, let's be honest here. I feel like the crowd that keeps showing up, like they seem committed. You know, like that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I don't think we should limit ourselves and what we want to do because we're worried about people who might not give a shit. Like, 
ultimately it is fun to have, like it, it would be sucky if it was like nobody else, but like, but I think, I don't know. Uh, it seems like hate Somniad, Cryo and me and like probably Milkum too, honestly. And happy cats. I don't know. You weren't here last week. So sorry. I'm not going to throw you in there because you're more <laughs> flaky, but it seems like that's enough people to have a decent discussion. Yeah, okay. Um, but, and, and if it doesn't work and if people voice, just like, oh, and Gal, I forgot Gal. He's been here every week, you know, and I'm sure he seems committed. He was here at one. He was here at one p.m. Bless his bless his heart. Um, so okay. you can hate and Riemann most of the time. Well, hey, I, what, what state? Freedom. What state do you live in? You know, it's funny. I was actually going to answer my home state by accident, but that's not where I live anymore. Um, are you going to stalk me? I live in, I live no, in, I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to figure something out. Wait, what are you trying to figure out? Uh, how, how would I know, how would I stalk you based on what state you're in? I don't know, dude. I don't you'd fucking know. Live, the, more information, in, the more information you give out, the easier it is. You'd have to live in Rhode Island for that to make sense. No, because like even little tiny details, like you can pick up on stuff. Like at, at, But I don't care, North Carolina. It, if, ti if tiny details are enough, I already know exactly where you live. Sure, but I live in North Carolina. Why are you trying um, to figure out? Uh, oh, what's it called? Time zones? Yeah, time zones. Sure. Yeah, I live in Eastern Standard Time. That's why we're doing everything EST, because that's where I live. Okay, wait. Um, fucking... You... Wait. What the fuck? What are you trying to do? Okay, I'm trying to figure out what's the deal with your guys' daylight savings. Right now, it is 4.53 p.m. <laughs> what are you trying to do? PM. Okay, no. No, that's fine. I don't know. I don't know. I'm... What are you wait, trying to do? Five... Why did you need to know? Wait, four, three. <laughs> is this important? No, no, it's not that important. <laughs> Don't worry, I figured it out. What are you trying to figure out? I was trying to figure out how my time worked relative to yours because I got really confused. Uh, wait, where are you? Uh, if you, you sound American. I am in, I am in the most fucking obscure ass time zone in the U.S. Hawaii? Is mountain time. Oh. Actually, no, Hawaii time, you're right. Hawaii time is probably more obscure. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in Hawaii, so that's how I know about it. It's annoying as fuck. Um, well, that's just minus two, right? Yeah, it is minus two from you, but uh, fucking, for some reason, in elementary school, nobody forced me to memorize time zones. I see, I see. Okay. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So, uh, we have to decide how far we want to go. I mean, we could do less... And just start with that? And my argument was that doing less would be bad because it's already like six meetings for the same book is already like... So let's go up through 88 because that seems to be a, like both of those seminars or whatever had 88 as a stopping point. Um, I do like this, by the way. Um, we can reference the number of the thing instead of having to like get yeah it's nice it's really good oh. and the other thing to think about too is like this seminar for instance or whatever this class like 
these this, these readings, like they met multiple times a week. It wasn't like a week to week meeting. So like it makes sense actually to read um, up that much, like because that's like a, it was like like the the time from the, when they read one to eighty eight in this class is a whole week. So I think it's sufficient. Okay. Okay, let's do eighty eight. Okay, nice, awesome. I'm so guys, guys, guys. I'm so excited. Oh, I just realized because I'm using a different mic for the recording versus the computer because I have to use like an actual physical microphone uh, rather than my computer microphone to record. So I'm like holding the microphone and getting in close and my voice is going to be really, really loud in the recording, but you guys can't tell. Oh, that's not great. No, it's 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 intentionally it's intentionally done for effect like I'm doing it right now because it's just going to have like a nice it's going to spice up the podcast, guys. <laughs> You bring it real close when you were like whispering for the ASMR effect? Huh? You know when you're saying I can't wait to tell you about my opinion about Oh yeah. And like you're whispering it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up right next to the microphone when I did that. Yep. But I just forget you guys don't hear me coming through the microphone. Um. <laughs> All right. Okay, so right, we I'm decided Thanks for a good conversation. Yes, this is a lot of fun. Thank you everybody for showing up. Good times. Yeah. Thank you for hosting. Yes. My pleasure. Mm. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.